Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello, I'm Mike. I'm Jake. And, and welcome, welcome to, to the Imposter Syndrome Podcast. Podcast. Woo! Woo! Episode two, let's go. Yeah. Woo! What's up, bro? I have a story for you. All right, let me hear it. Let me hear it. Let me hear it. So, uh, today, sure, we had an Amazon package delivered. Okay, right, and like the guy got out of the van and like handed delivered to me, and like I didn't see him at first because I was just walking down to the garage, or, like talking to my parents, and then sure. I turned and there's a man there, and I'm like, oh, hello. <laughs> um, so that wasn't the interesting part. The interesting part happened afterwards when I got the package. And brought it back. And I was like, well, I still needed to go to the garage because I had stuff to do. And <laughs> I'm going to the garage. And he can he's back in the truck now. And I can hear his music, right? Sure. And I'm just like, okay, he's listening to music, you know. <laughs> I hear muffled lyrics. And it's like... Together we can show the world we can do. You're next to me, I'm next to you. Pushing through until the battle's won. And I'm like, <laughs> oh my god, he's listening to the Sonic Forces soundtrack. <laughs> he's listening to Fist Bump. <laughs> the Sonic Forces. The Sonic soundtrack. Forces. And it's blasting. It's like blasting. <laughs> I can hear it from like outside the car clearly. And I'm like. I literally, I can't see him by, like, I turned to him, I'm like, Sonic? Really? <laughs> I've never, I've never thought anyone ever would, and like, he was would like, ever listen to, like, this, a Sonic playlist or a Sonic soundtrack. I mean, granted, I, listen, I'm not a big fan of Sonic, but, like, I can admit the Sonic Forces soundtrack has some pretty cool tracks. The dude was just trying to go fast, bro. <laughs> I, just, I just love it because he's, like, a big, like, six foot five black dude. <laughs> And he's just blasting Sonic. I'm like, I want to bet right after this is a Naruto track. I want to bet. Oh, my goodness. Dude, that's... <laughs> he just wants to get psyched. He's a driver. He has to drive a lot. He's just trying to get psyched. He's got to make those deliveries. Like, seriously, he's got to be... Quick, 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 fast. <laughs> it was like just Sonic. amazing. Like was, Sonic. Because I didn't expect it. Because I was like, you know, I was just going to get my package. And sure. I just like... <laughs> I know it. I don't know. I don't even know what I would do. That would take me back. Anyway. <laughs> E3. Yeah. So we do actually have a topic for this episode. But before we get to there, we're going to have a recap of E3 and how we were wrong about everything. Seriously. <laughs> we talked about a few things with E3. Um, 
particularly one of the ones I wanted to discuss is Elden Ring. Oh, Elden Ring. Yeah, since you had a lot of pre- uh, prevalence with that, I know Elden that was like your thing. Ring. Elden it exists Ring. and it looks fucking rad. You can mount. Well, horses. And- That's what I mean. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. Just leaving it off of that. Yeah. Can, can sound a little strange. I. It was so perfect that we were discussing berserk last time because you see this trailer first 10 seconds in i'm like there's a big old berserk reference right there <laughs> like it was so berserk i was like okay <laughs> like what, what scene are you talking about for the people the giant tree <laughs> the big glowing tree it's like there it is <laughs> All right. dude trees keep coming back yeah but it was so it was like a big glowing tree that was a big focal point i'm like berserk i mean Every that whole series is you can you can feel the berserk essence in it. Oh yeah, definitely the grunge and like you know, the yeah. co- the gore and just overall. The, the exciting part though for Elden Ring was that I was worried it was like all right because you had Dark Souls, and then Bloodborne was Victorian Dark Souls faster but Victorian Dark Souls. And then you have Sekiro, and you have Sekiro which was Japanese Dark Souls. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> so I was like. Don't just make it another Dark Souls with a new coat of paint. And FromSoft is like, sure. Okay. How about you get an open world? And I was like, excuse me. Because <laughs> it looks like it looks very open world. Like it looks bo- like Breath of the Wild style open world. So I haven't really played a lot of Dark Souls. Yeah. But it always seemed to me like it was kind of open world. Like- it's kind of. Like there's paths though. Like, like there's routes and there's... Uh, like shortcuts and stuff. How does that work with sto- with the story? Is there like certain sections that are just side missions that you just happen yeah, to find? Kind of like you'll find people in certain locations, and then like as you're traveling, you maybe meet with them again and stuff. And then just uh, how locations are set sometimes in the world. Like, okay, I'm going to go to the uh, the catacombs. And it's like, all right, I'm going to the catacombs. And it's like, well, next to the catacombs is the tomb of the giants. Of course it is, because it's a tomb. And then there's where the Lord of the Dead is. And, you know, like, there's a cohesion to everything. Mm-hmm. And everything connects to one another, which was really cool. Sure. Yeah, and what, what's cool about this is, like, it looks like there's not, like, a path. Like, okay. co- like to get to the catacombs, you go down those stairs behind the gravestones and stuff. Like, this one's like, I don't have a path. I can just go wherever. And I see the comparison with Breath of the Wild because it was very much like that mm. in the sense that you can just kind of go wherever. There was a lot of different main story elements that you can kind of just choose when you do. Yeah. I found a lot of times in Breath of the Wild, I had no idea where I was going or what I was doing. I was just finding stuff right. along the way. And since they make travel so ridiculous, unless <laughs> unless you do like, you know, the special like yeah, yeah, kind yeah. of like glitch thing where you could launch yourself. Right. Um, I didn't really do that because number one, I didn't know how. <laughs> I didn't really feel like learning. Yeah, I just yeah. wanted to kind of go with the world and find stuff. Yeah. Have you beaten that game, Breath of the Wild? No. <laughs> no, I haven't. I, I don't remember where I am right now, but not that I'm far. I'm pretty in. close. I had one more Divine Beast to conquer. I didn't reach the Divine Beast. I have no idea they exist. <laughs> really? No, I mean, I know they exist, but like Link in the game doesn't know they exist. He's kind of just like, Well, he oh. has amnesia, that's why. Well, yeah, I know. Yeah. But. I have the, the what is it? Um, Hyrule Warriors? The Age of Calamity? Yeah. I liked it. I loved that game. That actually got a DLC update. Did it? Because mm-hmm. I haven't beaten it yet. I'm very close. 
I've been like doing everything, like trying to hunt hundred percent. Zelda on a motorcycle. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh my goodness, that's funny. But the, Elden Ring, going back. Sorry. I yeah. No. I mean, I'm just super excited because I I wasn't like too sure about the game. I was kind of like, all right, you know, FromSoft makes the Dark Souls. So cool. Mm-hmm. But this one, I'm now like, okay, yeah. I, I really, actually might get this. <laughs> I really like the co-op aspect of it. Yeah. That adds like a, it's not a new concept, but it's new for this series. It's interesting to see. Like, do you think they're going to have to make the bosses harder now? Because there's, it's like 2v2. They haven't had to do that before with bosses. But I'm saying like, in this, it was never co-op before, right? There was co-op in the sense where you summon someone and you can kind of travel with them to, I guess, a boss. But they couldn't fight with you. They could. They could fight with yeah. you? Oh, and the, but they, after the like the boss is defeated, they leave. Okay, yeah. Oh, so this is not even a new concept for the game then. Not entirely, not entirely. No. But why are they making such emphasis on it? Is it different? It might be a different setup because mm-hmm. like the other one was like you have to find their signs. Okay, and you have so... to be like human in a certain sense. Okay, so I, there's there's like limitations. Yeah, now it seems like it's a little yeah. bit more freeform. And the other in Dark Souls three, it was like there was also different types of summon signs. So some of them would be like. Because usually the spirits would be like white or yellow, but like sometimes they're the purple, and like purple ones don't have allegiance towards you, so they could backstab you at any point. Oh, really? And it's like, oh, that's, I need to beat this boss. Though. That's kind of cool. That's kind of cool that they had those elements. Yeah, and they had invaders too. So like, at random, you can be invaded by somebody. Mm. Yeah, but I'm super excited for that. It looks really good. Um, are you gonna get next gen to play it? <laughs> if you can find one. Yeah, not anytime soon. Man. I mean, if it comes to PC, I'm all set. <laughs> That's true. It, why wouldn't it be on PC? Did they not do that? No, it, it just yeah, it just takes know, longer. Just wait a wait a week or two. Yeah, just in case, because sometimes PC ports always. That's true, man. I here's I hear the stories, <laughs> the horror stories. Yeah, from is not that great with the mm. PC side. Um, what other games we wanted to talk about? Well, since we were talking about Breath of the Wild. Oh, Breath of the Wild two. Oh my God! Why does Link have a Devil Bringer? What do you mean? He's got like the devil arm. Oh, <laughs> like devil make. I cry. saw that. I, I I didn't really get a good look at it, but I I saw you. I see what you're talking about. I'm not sure. Um, I mean, I know they're doing this like whole sky element thing. Yeah, that looked that that drop in the trailer yeah. was the raddest shit I've ever seen. Let me pull up the trailer. Oh, that yeah. Yeah, the sky parts just look so amazing. Yeah, man. he's got like a stone robot that. arm. I don't know. Do you think it's an attachment, or do you think that's part of his arm? It looks attached. It looks like his like it's like his arm is changed. I feel like it's hard because I don't know. I don't know the ending of Breath of the Wild one. Yeah. So I don't know if there's context to why he has that. I like the new abilities though. It just seems like the tablet thing is his arm now. Yeah, that seems like yeah. That that'd be cool. If that was just like strictly the power, yeah. now it's like it's like a device on his arm. Yeah. I could see them doing that. And then his father. Is gonna come back, slice his arm off, and take it, and it's gonna turn into a katana, and he's gonna become an immensely powerful demon. Oh my god, Virgil! I it's not turning into Devil May Cry. Okay? I know, <laughs> but it looks beautiful. It looks great. The music is phenomenal too. Yeah, I'm, I'm really story. excited about it. It looks really interesting. I'm excited to see what they do with it. Is it safe to say that Nintendo won E3? I think they saved E3. Yeah, like. Because, I mean, listen, I know COVID was bad and it kind of affected development, but like a lot of lackluster. Yeah. Amongst all the companies. I, I expected a little more. 
I didn't think we we got a lot. I heard Capcom's was pretty crap. It was. They didn't really show much, right? No, it was like <laughs> Resident Evil was like. So we heard you guys, and we're gonna make DLC. I'm like, that wasn't already planned. <laughs> like, I know what game these days doesn't have DLC. To especially Resident to Evil. You had DLC in the last game, <laughs> which I heard was pretty good. Like they did yeah. a lot of interesting things. It was cool. I think what saved it was the Smash character. Yeah. I never would have thought that. That was the greatest trailer ever. I mean, Dude. Sephiroth was also pretty high tier, but this one, oh. Like Kazuya? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> he just, like, just struck I... people off the cliff. Dude, I love the Kirby part. Oh, that was great. <laughs> I was wondering if they were going to do that with Kirby. Like, I saw it was taking a while. Of course, Sakurai's not going to kill Kirby. No, I know, but I, I, I was like... I was waiting a while. I was like, when is he going to float? You know, they did yeah. They did leave the suspense really yeah. nice. Listen, every single trailer so far, everyone gets bodied except Kirby. <laughs> Kirby is the real MC. Like, Sakurai will not hurt his child. The hidden MC. Of course. He's the main character of Smash. Kirby? Well, because it's a whole spirit quest, the uh, story. Yeah, he's yeah. the only one who survived. That's true. So he's the main character. He is the main character. That's crazy. Yeah, but definitely. Oh, it was a pleasant surprise. Thank God. <laughs> yeah, I, I remember we were, we were talking about predictions, and I, I I never thought. Did you actually see, like, his move set? No, I, I thought they haven't displayed that yet because that, that they coming, haven't gone right? in depth, but they gave you a little teaser of his various moves. It literally just looks like Tekken. Like, really? It, I, if you didn't have a Smash logo anywhere, you'd be like, "Oh, it's a Tekken match." <laughs> Why is Ken here? <laughs> yeah, it was it was crazy because like he just keeps going for all the moves, and I'm like, how many buttons are on here? <laughs> like, like are there input commands or stuff like that? Yeah, I know what you mean. It does look like Tekken, but like ludicrous. Like, there's a ten hit combo. <laughs> like there. <laughs> That's crazy. That'd be cool if you have to try to like mix up in that way and like do the combos and like actually do the inputs. That'd be kind of cool. That would be rad as hell. I don't know if they're gonna do that or not. <laughs> <laughs> We're just watching the trailer. People getting thrown off. Oh my goodness, he looks. Ooh. Yeah, demon form. Oh, I wonder if that's gonna be his like his his down like the downbeat install. I wonder if that's gonna be the case. You think they're gonna have like a charge for that? Like, yeah, they kind of have. Like, they they have something. With Joker and um cloud and all those people that have like installed from what it looked like it seems like every time you got someone out it charged up okay so it's like an elimination meeting? maybe because that's what because it was throwing people off the cliff and it slowly you got more and more charged so i that's might true. that might be the mechanic oh my god who uses ultimates though in smash if you're playing competitive <laughs> <laughs> i'm not even gonna talk about you mr side b yeah that's okay once I find out, once I find out his ten hit combo, it's over. Oh, oh, you people yeah. are done. <laughs> sure. Yeah, I'll believe that when I see that, buddy. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's see here. I wanted to talk a little bit about uh, since we were talking, we were roasting uh, Square Enix so much. Mm -hmm. I thought it'd be prevalent to talk about the Guardians game and the <sighs> Avengers DLC. I, you know, it was really funny that uh, Marvel decided to came to come to E three. I know, right? It's just like... Uh, the Square Enix, half of it was just dedicated to Guardians and Marvel stuff. Well, that's what they're doing right now. That's yeah, but it was like, oh my god, this is not your strong foot forward. <laughs> like, I know. I I would have preferred to see something else they're working I mean, I guess they're working on Guardians, and that's why, but... 
Yeah, and then Avengers 2, it was like, dude, no one cares anymore. Like, just can it. Well, that's the thing. I don't know. Are they still doing Because they had, like, plans. I saw it. They had plans for a lot of DLC now. Remember, did you ever see the logos section? Yeah. They asked that, They had Spider-Man 2. That was supposed to be, like, a PS4 exclusive or a PS5 exclusive. Well, <laughs> it's like... It's like roadmaps with, like, Anthem. It's like they said all these things. Are they actually going to do it? Well, I don't know <laughs> if they're successful. But so far, I'm like, I don't know who still wants to play Avengers. The thing is, too, like, it really does feel like a ripoff of just the movies. Oh, yeah. Like, everyone looks just like their movie part. I'm going to get to that more in Guardians, but... Oh my goodness! Like the, the way they're dressed, the costumes. I mean, Black Panther well, suit looks a little on. different, but it doesn't. Look, it's not an improvement. <laughs> That's like the only suit I would say is not an improvement. I was gonna say in terms of Guardians, they do not look like their movie counterparts. Um, because like Star Lord looks not. That's great. true. He doesn't look like Chris Burr. Uh, someone, Pratt, someone said on Twitter it was the most funniest thing. It was like Star Lord looks like the person who like starts his day off with saying slurs in the mirror. Oh my god! <laughs> Did you? <laughs> Did you see what they were saying about Drax? How he looks like that dude from the Adams Family? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. I I'm, I thought you guys learned your lesson from Marvel versus Capcom. Like, don't make bad character models. Like, Jesus. I thought if anything, they would have learned their lesson from the Avengers game because people were complaining about that too, from the very beginning. Were they that badly? Uh, yeah. Yeah, there was some noise. Like, they thought Black Widow looked weird. Her character model, she did look kind of weird. I, I feel like the voice acting is strange too. Like some of the voices don't fit. Not for Guardians. I'm not talking about that, but like just the main cast of Avengers in general. Yeah, um, yeah, it was. I don't know. Just bad. Bad yeah. show. I don't know. Well, yeah. actually, there was only one saving grace of Square Enix, and that was Final Fantasy uh, <laughs> Origin. Just purely for the fact that it was meme material by the end. I must kill chaos. I must kill chaos. Like he's Kratos. <laughs> like, I know. Like, I'm cringing a little bit over here. Listen, listen. I know it's. A, <laughs> but the demo was apparently pretty good after its little. Hiccup. I saw snippets. It just looks like Final Fantasy to me. Yeah, I mean, I'm not totally interested, but I was like, listen, all right, cool. It's good for people who like Final Fantasy. Uh, you know, oh god, I'm looking at Guardians. Yeah, trailer. the Guardian. Uh, I pulled up the Guardians trailer. This thing to me just seems so stupid. You have. It called the Guardians of the Galaxy. You have all of them there, but you're only playable as Star Lord, the most uninteresting character of them all. You have a giant tree, a sassy raccoon, a dude who's just looks like the dude from the Adams family, and a ninja girl, and a ninja girl, and then you you have to do the average, the average Joe. I don't understand the racist. <laughs> oh my god. The racist. Just a comment in my head now. I like see oh, him. Because he, of the like comments. he looks so. He looks like an asshole now. Like he doesn't have the Chris Pratt like charming. Charm. Yeah, it's a charisma black hole. This from his face. Yeah. Oh. I don't know, but they do kind of look like he looks straight up. Like Rocket looks straight up like the MCU version. He just has a goatee. Yeah. That's the only difference, and so does Groot. Groot yeah. doesn't look that much different either. So it is. It is prevalent too. They do, they're doing the same thing. Well, Drax does not look good. No, he does not. He does not look why good. Why did you, like why is the paint job look so bad? And I'm sure there were like a million other designs that probably look better, but they were just like, nah, let's go with this one. 
Whose fault is it? Is it Disney or is it Square Enix? It should be called Star-Lord and the Guardians of the Galaxy because that's who you're playing as. You're not playing as the Guardians. You're just in the story. <sighs> they could have made this, like, if they, I don't know, I feel like this would have been a good Avengers game, like, layout. Like, to ha- like you know how in the Avengers game you could play yeah. as, like, several different characters? Like, I feel like this, this game seems, it makes more sense to do something like that. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, Square Enix was just a mess. And this is like story based. What they should have done is made a story based game that's co op, that you could play as, you could choose one of the guardians that you could play as, mm-hmm. and run through the whole story with the homies. That would have made this game ten out of ten, just straight off, the, just straight off the bat. Yeah, I mean, we'll see. Because <laughs> they did a what they did at Avengers, they did the multiplayer online. But the story is not co op, is it? I wouldn't be able to tell you. I don't remember. I don't know. Maybe I'm talking out of my ass. But if it's not, then I'm right. Yeah. You know what I mean? They they made multiplayer like these same basic missions. But I always have the most fun like with a game with a, that's co-op is like when, when we can run the story together or like we could do missions yeah, and the story yeah, together. You know? Yeah. Online gets is fun, but you got to play with all these toxic. You know how online is. Yeah, I know. You know what I mean? So playing like I, I remember there's this, there's this one game. I can't remember the name of it now. But me and my friend got it. And we were both prisoners. And we had to like escape prison oh, together. Oh, um, a way out. Yeah, a way out, a way out. Mm. That game was so fun. It's great because like, we we're we we're doing like I have to like watch, and then he has to unscrew something. Yeah, and vice versa. It was like real teamwork. That's what it felt like a co-op game. Like we both had to participate. Well, a similar thing just came out. Uh, it takes two, where instead of prisoners, it's a broken marriage, <laughs> and you're like, but I mean, it, it's it came out before E3, so hmm. you may have seen it. It's like those puppets. Oh, yeah. okay. A lot of people have been playing that, hmm. and apparently it's good. So I'm like, all right, cool. all right, that's something to talk about. Maybe talk it about actually, it at a different time. I don't know off the top of my head. It may actually be the same person who did a way out. A way out. I wouldn't be surprised because it has that kind of like that, that feel, that charm. Well, it's a lot more uh, whimsical than uh, a way out. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, um, yeah, no, but Square also disappointed us. And also broke my heart because we got another trailer for Babylon Falls. Oh, Babylon. And. (sighs) (laughs) Talk to me. Talk to me, Mike. Tell me. Okay. So I don't know if you want to pull the trailer up. Yeah, I'll pull the trailer up. So there's two trailers. There's the one that came out a couple of years ago, the teaser. And when you look at the teaser trailer, I would say it's almost like if Dark Soul. Oh, that's that's twenty twenty one. That's the you want to pull up the initial trailer? Yeah, that's twenty twenty one again. <laughs> Dude, what the heck? Um, but when you watch the the teaser, this one, right? Yes, when you watch the teaser version, it looks like almost if Dark Souls and Near had a baby, which is really rad. And I was like, okay, cool. Like, yeah, it looks kind of interesting. Nier's a good game, and Dark Souls is a good game, and mixing those elements together is pretty cool. And you see, you know, you might notice in the trailer, there's kind of like a almost painterly kind of quality to the environment and stuff. I can see that, yeah. And I'm like, okay, artistic weird. And like, look at it. Like, you see the combat, like, it's clean, precise. Something like, you would see out of like Nier. Yeah, like out that. of, yeah. And it's quick. Now, go check out the other trailer. <laughs> so, because we haven't muted 
uh, Jake is missing out on one of the horrible things of this trailer is the voice acting. Really? Because, oh my God. Oh my God. <laughs> it's really bad. <laughs> Literally, Maximilian Dude. Maximilian Dodd. No, shut up. <laughs> uh, he literally was like, the final guy in this trailer, the big dude, sounds like the Swedish chef from Muppets. <laughs> and he's right. Now, if you notice, if you're looking at this already, yeah. you notice the painterly effect is like cranked up a shit ton. Like, look at the forest. It almost looks like, like the environments look like stylized differently. Yeah, it's almost low res, which is not great. No, especially since some parts like during the the gameplay action scenes, yeah, they it looked pretty good, like realistic, yeah. and then now it's kind of looking more like you said, more like eight eight bit almost. Yeah, which was really not good against models who are not not. Well, I wouldn't say the models are great either. Like the models look worse. Like it's they're anime peoples ish kind of, but like. PS3, PS2 version. <laughs> also, the combat looks sluggish. It does look sluggish. When does this come out, did they say? Uh, off the top of my head, I can't remember. I, I wouldn't be surprised if it was uh, this year. Or they were trying to get it this end of this year. Let me skip to the... We got the gist of it. Yeah. Like, look at that. Oh, my God. Yeah, that doesn't look that great. I don't know. Isn't Godfall the same? Is that what it's called? So, Godfall was a different thing, but... People have now been making that comparison of, yeah. like, it looks like Godfall, which is not something you should look like. And it's now, it's a live Surface game. Hmm. Which is, like, it doesn't, that doesn't necessarily mean it's bad, but, like... Yeah, I know, I know. It was not pitched originally as a live Surface game. And now I'm like, Square, what are you doing? I mean, that's kind of, like, the meta now, though. I guess, yeah. That's what's popular. I think they're just trying to catch up with the times. My concern is because Platinum's working on this, right? Mm-hmm. And this E3, Bayonetta was not shown again. No word from Bayonetta. And seeing this has now gotten me worried for that the state. Been axed. No, of just the state of Platinum in general. Oh. Because their recent projects have not been going well. The last good project they had was Astral Chain, which was a while ago, and not many people talk about it. No. And... I think that was a good game, though, right? It was a good game. I enjoyed it. That wasn't the detective game, was it? Well, the police officers. Yeah, yeah. had to, like, stand. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it was good. I didn't finish it because I learned, like, one of the missions took six hours. I'm like, I can't. I don't have time time for this. Um, But it was good. It was fun when I played it. But... That was the last good game, and, like, Scalebound got canceled, and, like, all this stuff started happening, and they got purchased by Tencent. Well, no, they got invested by Tencent, the Chinese company, Mm -hmm. and people started getting worried about that. Mm. And now, like, they're working on Babylon Falls, which doesn't look too hot right now, and some Apple mobile game, which is not getting good. good And it's gaming, and Kojima recently put out a statement... (laughs) Where he's like, I understand people want news, but like I also don't appreciate people saying that it might be canceled. You fucking idiots. Yeah, I mean you don't want to like just jump the gun on stuff like that. Yeah, I mean like I get it, Kojima. Not Kojima, sorry, <laughs> Kamiya. Um, 
like I get you're getting annoyed by this, but like you should have not announced it this early if it was not at any state close. And it's bad because Devil May Cry 5 came out after a long ass time and like a not great reboot. And it was amazing. And that's like that that set the new standard of a character action. Well, dude, I'm an advocate for taking your time. Yeah, of course. Like, I find, like, a lot of the reasons why I feel like the Assassin's Creed series took such a pitfall was because they were dropping one every year. Right. And they just, it doesn't, it didn't seem like they were taking a lot of time to think about what they were doing. It was just a cash grab. Yeah. I don't know. I, I agree with you. They probably shouldn't have announced that until they were at least in beta. Yeah. You know? Um, and granted, this is in beta, too. So, I mean, it could look better in the end. Um, I want to give them slightly a benefit of the doubt. Right. I mean, am I going to play it? Probably not. No. You know what I mean? <laughs> No, I'm not but, either, but, like, I'm just worried. Because, like, Platinum might as well as, like, introduction into, like, character action. And, like, Bayonetta is great. Metal Gear Rising is amazing. And Nier is great, too. And I'm just like, I really don't want you guys to fail. I know what you mean. Because once you get to on, like, a roll of... It's like momentum is the most powerful force, right? And it, it can go both ways. If it goes... It can go really good and you're just on a high train. Yeah. Or it can go really bad, where you just keep I think my getting th- terrible stuff. You know, my thing is, I think they actually just took too much, like commit. Like I think they took like too many work, projects, like too much workload. Yeah, and I'm like, I think they overstretched themselves because it's, it's Platinum's not a big company. Yeah, like there's only 300 people in it. That's not a big company to be doing multiple games at once. No, especially like big titles. Maybe they realize that, and that's why they're putting the back burner on Bayonetta because they really want to like, invest I know, like, their time just, in it. Just say it. Just say like we're experiencing some difficult. Oh, like, oh yeah. maybe they can't. I, I don't. Yeah, it could be legal issues. It could be like higher up saying, and the company being like, "Nah, we can't do that." Because it's technically published by Nintendo. So y- yeah, exactly. You know what I mean? Yeah. It could be like, "Don't say anything. Don't say anything. You don't want to make it worse." Type thing. You know what I mean? Yeah. But even then, Nintendo just say something. <laughs> like I know. Forgot because transparency like, is like the key, right? Yeah, because at least if like if you just like listen, we had some issues, right? But we're we're gonna still work on it. We're gonna try to get things together. We'd be like, okay, fine. Because like right now, Camille was like stated a couple months ago. He was like, just forget we announced Bayonetta three, and you know it'll be a pleasant surprise later when it finally comes out. And I'm like, no, we you told us about it. Like we know it exists. Like, yeah, <laughs> I know it, it starts to it starts to lower the hype. Because at first it's like, oh man, I can't wait for this. But as yeah. you keep like waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting, you know, it just you start to not care anymore. You're yeah. like, oh, this game is either seeing, a never coming out. And or... seeing Babylon Falls as it is now is making me concerned for your projects. Like, yeah, because then you see this, you see this game, and if the actual game comes out and it's not living up to expectations, or it's not like you know they didn't correct themselves and they didn't right. update anything, then you become less excited for Bayonetta because if they're throwing this shit out, then what is yeah. Bayonetta going to look like? Exactly. You know, especially since it's taking so long as it is. Yeah. Uh, speaking of Nintendo, if you want, you want to talk about Metroid? Yes, because I was joking that last time I was like Metroid Four, a uh, Metroid Prime Four, and Bayonetta. You know, it had to be announced. Neither got announced, but Metroid Dread. Metroid Dread. Dread. I <laughs> I don't really care for Metroid, and I haven't really... I'm not really, yeah. yeah. I'm not really associated. The trailer looks so cool, though, because it was so horror-esque, and I was like, maybe I'll, maybe I'll pick it up. Maybe. <laughs> yeah, I saw some stuff from Metroid. It looked pretty cool. Yeah, I mean... I, I if if there was going to be an introduction into the series, this might be a good one. 
Also, Samus looks rad shit. Oh my god, those colors are so cool. It does look cool. I kind of like that. Like the white yeah. and then the bronze. It's, it's nice. Yeah, it, like there's that robot thing and it feels so like alien. Mm-hmm. Like the movie Alien. No, I know what you mean. The way it moves, right? Yeah, because like you can't kill it from what it looks it, like. It Honestly, it seems like a robotic alien. Like that's the inspiration. The way it moves and even when it stands, it kind of yeah. has a similar stature. Yeah. Yeah, it does look similar. It's it's kind of cool. Like it's chasing you. Yeah, you kinda have to like. Oh, I love how smooth it is. Like it's just like crawling about mm-hmm. the floors. It's like relentless the way you like go about it. It's it's cool. It's cool. I can see that giving me like anxiety. Yeah, like, you know it's right on my ass, and I'm like, oh, or even oh. dread, dread. Yeah, yeah, I can see that. Yeah, but unexpected hype. That was all yeah, right. right. That was something. I still didn't get my Mega Man game. <laughs> I could dream. <laughs> no, Capcom. But that's more of Capcom's fan. I know, but still, you know. Also, discussing Capcom last time, how the hell did I forget about Monster Hunter? I didn't even realize. Yeah, I know, right? I was like, oh, shit, right. <laughs> like, you know that big thing that's been selling, like, how many games in this past couple of years? Stupid. Like, I have Monster Hunter Rise. Yeah, and, like, why did I not? Why did I forget? <laughs> like, I don't know. I don't know why I, f- I forgot either. I don't know. Because, like, literally, it was... Nintendo and Capcom and I think also Xbox were all like, yo, Monster Hunter, right? I'm just like, okay, yeah, I get it. I mean, it could have been because we were talking more on the lines of like Marvel versus DC. Yeah. And then Marvel versus Capcom came up and we were mainly focusing on that part of Capcom. And then we mentioned briefly Resident Evil and things like that. But we were mainly focusing on the Marvel versus Capcom side. Um, One last game I wanted to talk about a little bit was Planet of Lana. Oh, yeah, Planet of Lana. So this game looks stunning. Just straight off the bat. Like, mm-hmm. every single scene that I saw looked like a painting. And off that alone, I feel like that's just amazing. Like, look at that opening shot. That looks awesome. Yeah, that looks beautiful. I could just imagine, like, I, I wish I could hear the music with it, too. Yeah. Obviously, we can't right now, but it just looks so good. It's it's just sim- simplicity is key. It's giving me Gris vibes. It is giving me Gris vibes, and that's why I really like it. I think it's going to be, like, one of those very immersive stories that are very heartfelt. You could just tell. Yeah, 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 definitely. Yeah. It just looks amazing, just straight off the bat, like, just is going through a, it. Is that a cat? Is that? I don't think so, because it was standing, wasn't it standing on its hind legs? I don't know. It doesn't, it doesn't really matter, but let me see. No, you're right. I think that is a cat. Yeah, because it has that, like, ears and... Yeah, I think that is a cat. That's cool. Like, it kind of reminds me of Gris, because there's also, like, those black creature thing. Mm-hmm. All right, well, I'm definitely going to keep my eye on it. I'm going to keep my eye on it, too. That's It doesn't seem like a game that's going to, like, blow up. No, no. It seems like that's, like, if you're into this kind of stuff, it's something to check out. Definitely check it out. It's called Planet of Lana. Yeah. So, one final thing to discuss. Sure. Um, most of the conferences were pretty garbo, uh, other than Nintendo's, uh, except for one, Devolver Digital. Our oh, good, yeah? our good friend, our good friends at Devolver Digital, being as wacky as per usual, uh, not as not as crazy, sure, as per usual, as as the other conferences, but still a bit of wackiness with their <laughs> bullshit deal. <laughs> they literally had a thing where it's like you can buy an NFT. What, but like they're 
<laughs> yeah. Oh like, you can buy a physical tape version of their conferences. Are you serious? Yeah, and it actually got sold. <laughs> really? How much did they run it for? A thousand. A thousand? <laughs> like, like, Someone I, bought that? I think so, I, it was some bullshit thing, but, like, I love it because it's such a commitment to the bit. Um, I just want to skim through a little bit. So what kind of stuff did they do? No, look at this. Look at this. <laughs> like, what is happening? Yeah, she got shot and then all this stuff. Um, okay, but aside from Devolver's craziness. Sure. They were pretty cool games. Two of them specifically I wanted to discuss. So one was Inscription. Which, What's that about? So Inscription, but like Crypt. Yeah. Um, so it's a card game, right? Okay. But it's also like a horror survival thing. Cause oh, this looks really cool. Yeah. So you're in the middle of this card game against this thing, but you also have to like keep aware, I of think your of surroundings the, of like what things are going on in the room. Oh, that's kind of sick. Yeah, like, you have to get up and be like, oh, you gotta solve these puzzles. <laughs> oh, wow, that's really cool. The art style looks really cool, mm-hmm. too. And it's, oh, it's, I was just like, wow. That adds, like, an extra layer, because a lot of card games are, are just that. They're card games, but this is, like, I've never seen a horror card game before. Yeah, yeah. And this is kind of interesting. Like, look at that! Oh, my yeah, God, it's and creepy. It seems like they know what they're doing. I like this a lot. Yeah. What was the other one? Uh, the other one is Trek to a name I cannot remember. Trek to oh, Trek to Yomi was that what it was? Trek no, like Trek to like two separate. Oh, I see it. Okay. Yeah. So this one I think you would really like. This is the one you were talking about. Yeah, because it's basically Ghost of Tsushima. But 2D. <laughs> I love Ghost. And it has that permanent black and white filter. Oh, it does? So it's kind of like those old films? Yeah, those the Kurosawa films. films. Yeah. I mean, look at this. That looks sick. You can skip ahead to gameplay if you want to get... Oh, oh that's too, too far. Sorry. <laughs> a little too far. Okay. Oh, I like this. Right? It's very artistic and very pretty. Yeah, it's very dramatic. And the black and white really adds to it, too. Oh, definitely. That's dope. That's dope. I'm definitely getting that. Yeah. Yeah, for all awesome. the silliness that Devolver does, they do actually have really good games. Yeah, that's that was interesting. I think that's probably one of the... That was one of the hypest things I've seen. <laughs> Honestly. And it wasn't even that much. Yeah. But just to show how... E- E3 was a little disappointing this year, but... All right. So... You want to get onto the actual topics today? Yeah, we had enough games. Okay. So today we wanted to talk about, since we're both audio majors, or were, rather, yeah. now we're audio engineers, and we're, you know, we're into music and everything, we wanted to make an episode dedicated to how, what is that? Like, you know, what does that mean for you? Yes, right. And our experiences being in this field. So, I mean, going through it, like, we're both aspiring artists as well as audio engineers, yeah, I mean, well, producers, I would say. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and 
I use a term that my uh, teacher used to give me. We're budding producers and budding composers. Yeah. And I'm like, just I'm, little uh, baby flowers. And I'm like, shut up. <laughs> 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 I'm making this stuff. I'm no budding. I'm am. I know. I am bud <laughs> already. <laughs> I already am. Um, but yeah. I mean, for for me, it was kind of like I started in school. You know, yeah, like, well, what was your inspiration to becoming a, a musician as a, like, a musician full time? Yeah, um, it's really interesting. So originally I was going to do art mm-hmm. because that's what I primarily did for the most part. Right, right. Um, what, me and a, and a kid in grammar school before I went to high school, mm-hmm. we were like, oh, let's make this rap duo. Like, when, we were like, <laughs> <laughs> when we were like literally 13, 14 or something like that. Yeah. And we started making like songs and. And we're just, you know, just fucking around with it. And that put the first, like, initial, like, idea in my head. Like, maybe this is something more, besides not the rap stuff, but you know what I mean, just in general. Right, right. Um, but I'll never forget this time. I had this teacher, I think his name is Mr. Albertson, uh, but we called him Mr. E. And we had, like, a parent-teacher conference. And uh, he was our music teacher, and we didn't really have, like, a lot of... I went to a Catholic school that was very small, mm-hmm. so we didn't really have a lot of, like, electives or like you know high tier music classes it was pretty much just general music was the only Mm -hmm. thing they taught right right but he really let me like just kind of let loose yeah even when they were like teaching the courses and things like that like i'd be on the piano just like fucking around a lot Mm -hmm. and doing everything and showing him stuff and he was kind of like just walking me through the process and everything trying you know that's like giving me the extra step and i'll never forget there was a uh, parent teacher conference where he was like if he gets trained like if i get trained that I can actually go somewhere. And it was just like having that, I don't know, having that like person believe in you that much. Right. I was like, maybe I could actually do this. And Mm -hmm. I really just committed from there. How about you? So I was, I was doing piano from a young age. I started getting like lessons when I was eight. Um, And at first it was kind of just like, you know, gotta do piano. Like, yeah, it's like you keep your kid occupied and do a talent sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but I grew into it, and I like did a bunch of recitals and stuff. Um, originally, my career path, I thought I was gonna be like an engineer. Sure, like like a like an actual engineer, right? Like like I mechanical liked, or something like, like that. I liked my bionicles when I was younger <laughs> and my Lego, so it's like, oh, of course he's gonna want to build things. Yeah. Um, but it was eighth grade where. I had some like bullshit music course in school. Sure. And we had to make a song. And I, I, I just, I did the assignment and I was like, this is really cool. Like, this is really fun to do. Yeah. So I showed my piano teacher. He's like, oh, you're like a little composer. I'm like, oh, a composer. And so something just clicked. That, that was the click. And I like, I started investing into composition. And it was like classical composition. It was <laughs> I know. boring, yeah. boring. Um, but I started getting into it, and like all through high school, I kind of started shifting gears of like I want to, I want to write music. Like that's my sure. thing. And it was not until I met my current composition teacher, where I was like I was not exposed to what the modern composing field looks like. Sure. And. Once that happened, it was like the floodgates opened. And yeah, it was, it was like, just something you could tell you were into this. Like, this was your thing. Oh, yeah. Oh, definitely. Because it was like, 
Because what I learned, I sucked at math. So, not me too. I think <laughs> that's like a qualification. <laughs> right. I don't know what <laughs> fucking morons say like, "Oh, music and math are correlated." I'm like, no, very tiny. No, like, like I suck at math, especially when you get to like the BS, like calculus stuff. It's well, like, yeah, I mean that stuff's not relevant to this. Yeah, negative two infinity. I'm like, <laughs> I know <laughs> how theoretical. Yeah, three. <laughs> it's disgusting um but yeah no i just kept going with it and then like we i guess we both went to college and like mm-hmm. we kind of broadened our horizons more and then here we are now yeah i mean college was a it was a cool experience for sure i mean it was interesting for me because when i first went to college i wasn't in the music program oh neither was i no yeah i mean i i really wanted to go to berkeley <gasps> at first yeah berkeley and i got into berkeley um did you really i did get into berkeley yeah holy crap yeah I was like, I was super stoked because on the one hand, I was like, I'm going to audition. I don't think I'm getting in, but I might as well audition. Yeah. You know what I mean? Oh, definitely. And I'll never forget, like, it was it was the coolest audition I went to out of all of them. Oh, yeah. For a fact. Did you audition too? Not at, well, not at Berkeley. Not at Berkeley. But like West, uh, the, the, the other school. Yeah. So I, I did, I, uh, I auditioned for Five Towns College. I got into Five Towns. I auditioned to for WestCon, and uh, believe it, like I was not prepared, <laughs> like mm. overall, because I realized that it was more of a conservatory, mm. where it was like classical, you know, like classical music and jazz, and I, I had no experience with that kind of stuff at that time, you know. So I brought in my stuff, expecting something completely different, and it just didn't work out that well, mm. in that regard. But when I went to Berkeley, it was it was a cool experience because I I brought my uncle, oh yeah, and he played guitar for me. While we were there, and um, I just remember this part where they had me alone, and someone was playing piano, and they just wanted me to improvise. Yeah. Right? And they just wanted me to, like, you know, whatever, right? And I started making lyrics. Oh, nice. And I was singing the lyrics alongside, you know, alongside yeah, of it, whatever cool. the case may be. I tried to make it different, you know what I mean? Yeah. And I, they tried to have me sight sing. I wasn't, I couldn't really read music as well yeah. at the time. So at the, I was a little hesitant. I was like, oh, I definitely didn't get in. You know what I mean? Yeah. But they accepted me. I was really, I was really hyped about it. But that's sixty five thousand a year tuition, man. Oh yep, yep, yep. I really didn't want to leave music school with a mortgage. Yeah, no. I mean, that's <laughs> you know what I mean. Yeah, it's, you know, that's a tough one. If I would you, say though, um, what I loved about Berkeley, because I was there for like a summer camp for yeah a couple weeks, and what I loved was. It felt like home in a sense of like you're surrounded by all these musicians, uh, everyone who's in the same boat as you, and it, like you belong there, you know. Yeah, and plus the environment is just so it's like so enriched, right? Yeah, in that culture and like since that school is there, and there's other art schools in the area. Yeah, and it, it you know it's the talk of the town. It's a big city, you know what I mean? That's yeah. kind of like prevalent there, so it just felt like a lot of opportunity. That's what it felt like to me, opportunity. I mean, I, I mean that also carried over when we finally went to our music school where mm-hmm. it was like oh i agree i mean walking into the vpac uh the music building every single day and just hearing immediately like instruments yeah and just being enveloped in the music a lot i i do miss that factor a lot that's probably one of the, mo- the things i miss the most honestly. so let me ask you sure was it worth it to me it's hard like i to me yes it took me a while to get to that to that conclusion though mm-hmm. i mean it was it was a struggle like I felt like everybody else had a lot of experience already, especially right. the class that we came into. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. And I didn't really have a lot. You know what I mean? I took, like, piano in the summer 
and like theory, like a little bit of theory in school. And I learned a lot of theory in piano because they were prepping me for my audition and everything. But in terms of like, you know, reading completely, and I'm still not fluent, like completely, you know what I mean? And just overall, it was like, I always had to work 10 times harder than the next guy. You yeah. know, to really succeed in in classes, and it took had to take tutoring. I did whatever I could. You know what I mean to mm-hmm. catch up. Um, I felt like junior year, by the time we started really doing like more audio work, I felt like I was I was closer. Right. You know what I mean. But it was a struggle, just like not really fitting in or not really felt feeling like I belonged for a while, mm-hmm. and not just being in an environment I didn't really want to be in. Right. I think I kind of just had to accept my reality, and just kind of enjoy the time that I had there. Right. And as soon as I did that, you know, things opened up a lot more. Yeah. And I think the like doing the audio portion just helps so much. Oh, the audio portion is so much better than. Yeah, dude. My, I felt like that was really the. It was. I think it was disappointing because when I first went, and I, I was gonna do audio engineering here, I expected to have like four years of that. Yeah. So to clarify to people listening, what happens in the program we went to was the first two years of freshman and sophomore year, you are dedicated to your instrument your primary instrument and like the i guess the genetic equivalence of music yeah. and then at the end of sophomore year you have a thing called the barrier which is still gives me ptsd to this day oh, same because <laughs> it is a major exam where they test you on the proficiency of your instrument and all your other skills that you've learned and you have to pass in order to move on into your program you get two chances yep Three sometimes if they like you, but mostly two chances. Yeah. And we know people in the audio program that failed twice. And, oh, yeah. And were no longer in the audio program. It was a big deal. Um, I wanted to t- get dive into that a little bit because we were going to talk about like our successes and failures. Yeah. And this is one of my biggest failures and one of my biggest successes at the same time. Yeah, I starting out in my career. Right. So for Barrier... We had two portions. We had the performance portion where you would do your concentration. So if you're a vocalist such as myself, you would do the vocals part. I had to sing like classical, Italian, you know, Mm -hmm. arias and things like that in that nature. And you had classical pieces and piano. And then you had the skills portion. For us, because we were audio majors, there's two classifications, classical or jazz. For the skills portion, since we were audio majors, we did jazz. Right. And we had to learn the uh, 12-tone blues in all 12 keys, right? Yep. And then we had to learn, uh, we had to, but, a jazz piece. There it is. And then we also had a sight singing portion as well. Oh, God, I forgot about that. Yeah. Yeah, we had a sight singing portion as well. Yeah. Going into Barrier for me was probably the most nervous thing ever. So I had performance anxiety. Right. I didn't really perform at school. One, because I, I didn't think I really had to because I was an audio major. Right. And two, because I was just so anxious to do such that I really stopped myself from doing it. Oh, uh, yeah. I, yeah. Yeah, I had to learn like a lot. Like me doing this, like the podcast in the beginning was also like a step in that direction mm-hmm, you know right. perform- this is a performance in a way because people are going to be listening to it and everything yeah and that gives me anxiety unfortunately you know what mm-hmm. i mean overall so having this like this weight on our shoulders for the whole semester mm-hmm. and getting to the portion so like i did the skills portion so i was tutoring with one of the professors at school trying to get uh you know my rhythm down for the jazz piece overall the triplets and he was just like dude you're not going to get this like I had a very similar situation because I had for so the piano requirements were a bitch (laughs) in a sense where okay you had to have three pieces prepared one from the baroque era one from the classical era and one from like romantic onwards and then you had to learn how to sight read a piece 
and like not just like here's like Mary had a little lamb. It was like here's a baccarat. Sure. You have one minute. Look at it and play it. And I sucked at sight reading. <laughs> And I had to go to my professor and had like extra lessons just for sight reading. Cause mm-hmm. I was like, help me. <laughs> I cannot yeah, do I, this. I felt the same way. And when he told me like I couldn't get it, like, I don't know. Like, I mean, it wasn't the first time because I I auditioned with this person as well. And when I first auditioned, um, he was just like, You're not gonna be able to succeed in this program. <sighs> he, yeah, I, I I I was I was told that, um, unfortunately. And um you know, I'm not the type of person to give up. Like, nothing's ever really come easy to me. You know, music is something I have a talent for, for sure. But even in this, like, in this level, like, you know, it never it never came easy to me. So I, I've been told that a million and three times, you know what I mean? But to hear it from, if to hear it from, like, that person in general was just, like, oh, another knife in the, you know what I mean? Yeah. So I, I talked to one of my homies, Anthony, right? And he helped me with it that day, and I got it. It was just his teaching method, I guess. But the most enriching part was when I walked out, Right, he was like, "You did really good with those triplets," and I was like, oh, "Hell yeah, that's I did, great!" Hell yeah, I did. That's great. And it was just—it felt really good. The performance section, though, for me, <laughs> was was the worst thing. It was one of the one of the a dark, very dark period in my in my college career because I failed. Yeah, I, I remember had, that. That was dude. I had a sinus infection, and I was just extremely, extremely nervous. Like, just beyond beyond belief, you know what I mean? Like, my voice would just cut out. Like, my body attacked me, you know, during the performance right. in general. And, yeah, I could say I had a sinus infection and all that stuff. And maybe that was also playing in my head. But it was really the nerves that were killing me the most. That, so, I remember, that was the most terrifying part of the barrier for me. Yeah. Was you walk into the room and there's, like, 12 professors. And it's just dead quiet. And you're like, can someone just, like say something like and you're you're in this big concert hall yeah you're just in the crook of the piano we can't really move around you have to stay there stagnant and you're just in this like this huge stage and it's just you and this piano and this you're a accompanist and there's just these the heads of the departments just grilling you yeah there's no expressions there's no emotions and if one person fails you you fail the whole thing so it was just like such an intense thing and i just couldn't handle it at the time i remember i actually because i because we drove there, obviously. Sure. Commuted. Um, I left my keys and wallet by the piano after I left. Did you and really? The professor, my piano teacher, had to come out and be like, um, "Oh my god, do you want to go home?" <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, that was terrible. Because I, I was so stressed out. Because I already, because during my piano career, sure, I've done so many recitals, but it has not improved my anxiety for performing. Yeah, and. I, I I sat down and I was just like, so like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. And once it was over, I walk out, I just like buckled and like just place planted on the floor. And the other piano's like, are you okay, man? And he's like, you're going to ruin your suit. I'm like, I don't care, man. I'm done. Dude, for me, it was just like, it was just a lack of confidence. Like my, my, my freshman year, me and my boy went to go see Logic, the rapper. Yeah. And he threw me on stage to do like, he had this segment. (gasps) Yeah, he had this segment where, for one of his songs, he would let a fan in the audience do the rap part. Oh, my God. Yeah, and I was in the front row, and he pulled me out of the crowd. <gasps> Holy shit. And there was 1,200 people there, and I, 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 I did it, and I went hard. Okay. Like, I had people, like, from— It wasn't Knees Week Arm Spaghetti. Yeah, not at all. Like, I, I really went hard. I tried really, really hard, and I, I felt so good, and I was in my element, and there was, like, more people than I've ever performed, with, you know, to 
ever. And just to say that to compare 1200 to just 12, you know what I mean? It just felt like I was out of my element. You know, with like hip hop and like pop music and things and like moving around on stage. That's, oh, yeah, that's definitely. something I feel that's my element. Yeah. And then just this very like, perf- like, I don't know. Very like, sterile. Sterile, like-, like very sterile, very by the book, like very strict format. Right. Was just not something that I was comfortable with overall. But it was it was a painful experience because I had to watch all my colleagues and friends start doing audio. Oh, that was the worst. Yeah, I because that. if you so we had vo- like for me, I had vocal training for the first two years, and then once you pass your barrier, you go into audio training. Yeah. So and you get personal lessons from a t- professor at the school. Yeah. So you're like, if I was taking piano lessons, it would switch over from the piano teacher to an audio teacher. Correct. Exactly. Right. And so I had to still do vocals while I watched all my friends do audio, and I just felt like the biggest failure. Like honestly, in the summer, like I quit. I was just like, I don't know if I can do this. Yeah. You know, overall. It wasn't until I, I coincidentally and, and kind of funny, I watched Your Lie in April, the anime. Oh, that, yeah. It honestly inspired me to go back and do it again. You know what I mean? And keep fighting. And I was able to pass the second time. I knew I passed the second time because after I did the performance section and the teachers were walking out, they were singing. I did a Spanish song mm. and uh, Adela. Yeah. And um, they were all singing it on their way out. And oh. I was like, that's how I knew I hooked them. And I was like, I got this one. And I did pass the second time. And then I started catching up with everybody else. Nice. But it was just a difficult time period. I guess the moral of the story is like you just can't give up. So let me talk about my experiences. Sure. So did you know I actually chickened out the night before the audition for getting into the music program? No, I didn't know that. You never told me that. I so I was I had a private piano teacher before going to yeah music school for that piano teacher, mm-hmm. um, and we were preparing. We were trying to get pieces ready for the audition. And he's literally like, you're not going to make it. You're going to fail. Really? Your own piano teacher? Yeah. Bruh. He's like, you're going to not pass this. And I was like, okay. <laughs> and I, <laughs> I, I, I mean, I, I it mainly was my fault. Like, my high school career, I was not in a good headspace. Yeah. And As most teenagers aren't, you know? Yeah. And, like, I again, I shifted more to composition. So I, I was, like, doing less piano. And more composing. And more composing. Because that's what you were interested in, truly. Right. And, yeah, and I literally emailed, like, in the middle of the night, I emailed the secretary of the music department, and I was like, I need to cancel my audition. And she's like, wow. oh, are you sure? I'm like, yeah, I'm not ready for it. Is that why you weren't in the program? For the first year. I got delayed one year. What made you change your mind? Well, I got ready. <laughs> I, okay. I got prepped. <laughs> so it wasn't so much that you didn't want to do it still. It was just a matter of you didn't feel prepared. Yeah, I was well, – because he made me not feel prepared. I was like, mm. oh, I don't want to fail. Like, I, You can't – I mean, you just can't let that stop you. I mean, as a, as a musician or as an artist or whatever, in general, you're going to hear most people be like, oh, well, you know, but maybe you should have a backup plan. And, you know, maybe you should do this and this, that, that, and that. Because, I mean, the reality is that not everyone is going to make it in this business. It's a competitive business. There's, it's, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Crowded. Oversaturated. Over, that's what I was looking for. <laughs> Oversaturated. And it's hard. So at the same time, you can't be mad at people who say stuff that to you, like stuff like that to you. But you also can't, I don't know, you have to take it with a grain of salt at the same time. I mean, I think there's a time where if you, I don't know, if you're like, you're getting up there in age and nothing's really happening for you, then maybe you have to really look at that reality. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Right. Um, but I don't think you should ever really stop. Yeah. No matter what, you know what I mean? Right. 
I don't know. I think you just have to. Re- people are gonna constantly throughout this whole experience try to tell you what you should do. Of course. And it's good to listen to advice, but sometimes you know you have you have a plan, and you only you can see that vision, and you kind of just have to trust your gut. At the same time, it really depends on who you are, how you feel as a person, and you know your experiences. I think. Yeah, I mean, it's like like since we're talking about the school, it's like, well, should I go to school for music or should I just wing it? Should I just do it? Whatever. I mean, I think you can do both. You know, I know one of my professors in audio. Um, he had he had a music a musician's degree, but he was like doing bass for right. like different play. You know, for different um, you know, concerts. You know, mm-hmm. and everything like that. And he just decided he wanted to do audio one day, and now he's very successful in that, and he kind of self-taught himself. Mm-hmm. I guess it's really your journey. I mean, school is good for – because if you don't know where to start or you don't know how to plan yourself, like in a way like how, how can I formula, uh, uh, systematically teach myself this, you know, yeah. overall, school is a good like layout for yourself in general. Um, but if you're the type of person that's you know does better in a, like, you know, a personal environment and you think you can teach yourself this stuff – I mean, I don't know. I don't know if college is like necessarily necessary for this. You know what I mean? I don't really think it is. See, our field, I guess, kind of the arts too, but like for music at least, our field is weird in the sense that most positions are outside of teaching. Mm-hmm. Is there's no like requirement for a degree, right? Like the more important thing that people are looking for is experience. And what you've looked at and connections connections are the key honestly because it's difficult because a lot of positions want you like in audio like i look at a lot of positions that i'm trying to apply for some of them will say like needs five plus years of experience <laughs> three <laughs> yeah. plus years of experience and it's like yeah i technically have ex- you know experience in terms of i've been doing this for that long but I think if they they're more considering like actual you know employment yeah, positions yeah. like that, and I'm like, well, how the hell am I supposed to get experience? It's a catch twenty two. <laughs> yeah, like you know what I mean. In general, so it's definitely tough. I mean, I look at Indeed jobs for audio engineering, and I'll see like a thousand plus applicants, which is like I never see that for positions, you know. You're right. And so it's um, it's it's a very oversaturated field. You know, you have to kind of put yourself out there in a different way. I mean. Like it's different strokes for different folks, but uh, you said a quote actually that remember you were telling me the other day how like some um, some famous um, composer. Or something oh, said, the composer for Hyper Life Drifter. Yeah, talk about that. So he's he. I have it. Like I saw the tweet and like I liked it and rec- I was like, oh my god, this, this is the perfect quote. Sure. So he's like, there's there. It seems like this field is oversaturated, but not many people commit to this job like not many people put in the work for this job and you'll find out if you stick with it it's a lot more empty than you think and i was gonna kind of lead off of that uh like should you go to school for the music and stuff and i think it was worth it completely i agree and not only just because you have access and knowledge to your field basically and you get to learn new things is the friends you make and the connections you make that really are important like we met in college exactly like we wouldn't be doing this if we wouldn't be doing this right and like we've been working on projects we have other friends we've been working on projects with it's like it's not just 
oh, you have friends who also do the same thing as you. It's like, no, you have potential partners. Yeah. Potential collaborators. If one of my boys thrives, we all thrive in. Right, exactly. That's the type of thing I look at it. Like, if I if I start, like, popping in, like, any type of form of fashion, if I have, like, this really good audio job and I, there's a position open, I'm putting one of my boys on. You know what I mean? Like, right. immediately, you know what I mean? And the same thing, vice versa, with projects that we're working on and mm-hmm. things like that. Like, we're, we're working on stuff together yeah. besides this, you know, musically. And, um... Same thing I'm doing with other colleagues, and you're pro- you're doing other things like right. with directors yeah. and different things. You know, you meet you meet these people that'll end up becoming one. You're they're your friends, but they're also your colleagues yeah. because they're in the same generation and field that you're in. I mean, even teachers too. Like, you grow this connection with them, and like, you will be in like if you keep that connection going. Like sometimes they'd be like, "Oh, hey, I got this uh, thing you might be interested in." Yeah, like it's it's a uh, it's a time to show yourself. Right. Like, the the show what you can do. And, like, not to, you know, I think sometimes, like, we went to Western Connecticut State University. You know what I mean? (laughs) To some people, you're going to be like, oh, you just went to a state school. Really? But our teachers were really, like, you know. um, They cared about their craft. That, and they were also successful in their fields. Like, many of them were Grammy winners, Emmy winners for their music and things like that. They know people in the industry. They're in the industry. You know what I mean? They have plugs and everything in the industry. You know? Um I think that's also a big thing with people who want to enter this field. Lower your expectations, right? Like you like your if your measure of success is you're world famous, you're on stages, you're touring, you're doing all this stuff, you're going to fail. You're going to absolutely fail because that's not the music field. No. It's the celebrity field. Yeah. <laughs> it's like that's like a one in a million chance. Right. And if that's your goal, I mean, hey, I can't tell you not to have that goal. You know what I mean? Um, I just think you also need to have a little bit of realism in there. Saying, like, it's nice to have goals, you know what I mean? Right. But also be realistic. Like, this is, my goal is to be a professional and, um, you know, a popular singer, you know, recording artist. Right. You know, and that's I'm going to work every day towards that goal. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And that's a nice dream. That's a nice goal. You know what I mean? Yeah. I'm sure like a lot of musicians want to tour and do things like that and have their albums sell, like sell, excuse me, and all that stuff. You know what I mean? Right. Um, I think like keeping it like do, doing like, you know, like performing gigs and right. um, freelance positions for audio majors and things like that. You know what I mean? Well, even then, like, like you can be a singer, songwriter, producer person. And be successful. Like it doesn't have to be the scale of like a pop star. Yeah, my my, my goals were like when I because I, I dropped an EP and I'm working on new songs now too. Right. Um, I want to talk about a certain situation that I'm in in a second. Uh-huh. Um. Uh. But uh, my goal is never to become the next Justin Bieber or something like that. You know what I mean? Yeah. I look more towards like a John Bellion, where he he's ma- he's writing a lot of songs for famous artists and they're having number one hits right he has like over a billion streams on spotify but if you go to the random joe across the street and you're like hey do you know john bellion they're probably gonna say no right yeah because there's different levels like you can do this and be popular or not even be popular but be successful rather yeah and not have to be you know a celebrity or instantly you know right instant phenomenon or anything like that and even then like we got audio uh, music degrees, right? Yeah. Audio music production is the exact name. Correct. And why I would say that has so much more worth than a BA in music well. <laughs> <laughs> is like, because if you, 
just do a generic whatever. Like, who cares? Like, okay, you you like music, I guess, right? But, like, audio music production, or if you're doing, like, performance or education, like, you have a specific degree that opens up a lot of different jobs for you. Well, yeah, because music's very broad, and like we said, it's oversaturated. But if you select, like, a specific niche of it, you right. kind of build, like, you, you make it smaller for yourself, you know what I mean? Yeah. Well, I mean, with our audio degrees, if we wanted to, other than being producers, we can go into, like, engineering stuff. Mm-hmm. We can go into, like, making music not for ourselves, but, like, for other people mm-hmm. or for companies. Or we can handle live sound. Like, there's so many different pathways that people aren't really aware of. Yeah, they're not privy to. Yeah, because it's, it's not, like flashy <laughs> yeah it's not flashy it's not it's the, it's the people behind the scenes you go to a concert you see some dude behind a computer and he's looking at the mixer board right and that's us you know what i mean yeah they make the concert they're important you yeah, know what i mean exactly and it's, you don't have to be the person on stage where the people go oh my god you know too we and, love you <laughs> yeah you know what i mean that's not necessarily gonna be for everyone it's no. not for me i don't really want that i'm not high enough to uh <laughs> be on stage <laughs> I'm a skeleton. <laughs> <laughs> that'd be kind of cool, actually, to have a skeleton on stage. <laughs> I think that'd be something that people haven't seen before. Grim Reaper pop star. Seriously. There's already a Grim Reaper pop star. What am I saying? I know. It's true. Yeah, uh, I mean, it's just one of those situations. I mean, I wanted to talk, actually, not to get sidetracked again, what I was talking about before. So, yeah. like, things to expect mm-hmm. when you're trying, say, like, you go the route of the pop star, or say you want to release music and things, you know, or you're trying to... Put your name out there and do things, right? Right. Things to expect. So recently, to tell a personal story, I've been working on some music. And when I dropped my first EP, I didn't really promote it. And I got decent plays for something that I didn't really promote at the time. I didn't really know how to promote. And I don't know. By the time I recorded those songs, like, I don't know, like a year and a half to two years before they actually released. Mm-hmm. And I had just developed so much in my production and in my vocals and everything that it kind of just seemed a little dry to me personally. You know what I mean? It's like looking at middle school photos. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. It's that feeling. So I don't know. I, I felt a little less invested in that project at the end. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Right. But for the new stuff that I'm working on, since I've had such a hiatus, because I really just wanted to work on my craft, get better and really come back strong, you know? So I have been working on some stuff, and I decide, me and my boy decided that we're like, hey, let's let's use a marketing team mm-hmm. to get really get this song going. You know what I mean? Overall, right? Um, one, we didn't really know how to market, and we had so many other things on our plate. We wanted to make it easier for ourselves, and that's like a smart outlook to do. You know, mm-hmm. overall, but you have to really be smart. Like I, I, we did this. We uh, contacted them. Um, it took a long time to really get things going, but it seemed like they were going to go somewhere. Like, we had them on lock. They said we were going to come up with a campaign plan. They had a budget plan, and we had spent money. Like, we put 1500 into this marketing plan. Right. You know what I mean? Overall, we were really invested in this. Yeah. And from the minute we signed on, and, like, you know, they just became, like, inconsistent with getting back to us. Um, kind of, like, just being radio silent for weeks on end. And, like... We tried to, we, we like, we're like, hey, anything's going on? We're like, yeah, they're working on something. Or like, well, can we, like, let's let's schedule a meeting for this date. And then that would be rescheduled. And then nothing, they'll be like, we'll reschedule for next week. And then they just never contact us. And it's like, why, I just never felt like I had, why do I have to harass you? You know it was what just I mean? poor business. Purpose. Poor business. Why do I have to harass you to get you to do a product, like, you know, a service I'm paying you that for, I paid right? you for yeah. already? You know what I mean? And um, we really started to get nervous about it. 
And we saw, like, the head honcho who we were talking to was, like, second in command. It just, like, left our chat in general. <laughs> and that's when I was really just, like, about to go explode. You know what I mean? I remember that because you were here for I was here for I was here, and I was really, I was heated. I was extremely heated. And um, I messaged him, like, what's the deal, yo? You guys have been really silent. Like, what's going on? Come to find out that, like, the person, the correspondent that we were, we were talking to was doing some, uh, shall I say, shady things. Shady things. Shady things. I'm just going to leave it at that. Shady things. And um, he was ex- uh, accepting a ton of campaigns without the other company, like, the main other, like, other side of the company realizing that he was doing this. Yeah. Including mine. And um, so, and by the end, essentially, your entire investment was for nothing. For nothing, yeah, exactly. Yes. They ended up having to say that they can't do it, and I'm still waiting for the refund at this moment in time, so I can really get the ball rolling. Yeah. Um, it's unfortunate because we did do some research on this company, and it seemed like really legitimate at the time. Like mm-hmm. they've worked with other people, and their stuff has come out, and it's had no problems. Um, I don't know. It's just like you have to brace yourself for disappointment. You know what I mean? Like, this field is brutal. It's, you know, it's... There's a lot of people and, like, companies or agents or whatever who are going to try to take advantage of you. And they don't care about you. Yes. They might sound cool or chill. Like, when we first started talking to these people, me and and my friend who, you know, my colleague who I'm working on this with, was like, wow, these people are cool. They seem like our type of people. This is really going to do something. Mm. And I put this expectation in my brain that, like, this is going to be it. Yeah. You know, this is the start of, like, the momentum that I was looking for. Mm. You know what I mean? And obviously life throws you lemons and things happen. And it's sometimes it's a grueling experience. Like, you know, there's a lot of times where I feel frustrated. Even now to this day, I kind of feel frustrated at the moment. You know what I mean? Yeah. Kind of like, oh, like, what the fuck, man? You know what I mean? Like, I just, I'm just trying to drop a song and, and do it right, you know, and have, like, all the... The, the things to yeah. it and you might feel that way too and you have two options at this point you either a you call it quits or you just have to keep keep walking you know what i mean keep yeah. doing it half this field is a gamble right where it's i don't like, even want to say half this field i would say <laughs> half this field is a yeah it's all luck um but like you have to, it's like you can try to make start decisions like definitely do research on if you're going to collaborate with a marketing or whatever company like do your research if they're giving you a contract, read that contract. Mm-hmm. You know, like, if you have the money, like, make sure you have access to like lawyers. <laughs> like, yeah, go to the extreme because, again, the company or whoever you're working for, they care about themselves first, and you don't want to mm-hmm. be screwed over in their attempts to get money. That's really it, man. It's it's all about money when it comes to these things. So you really do have to be careful. Yeah. I mean, that's one thing also. If you're going to enter this field, not only have music smarts, have some business smarts. Because it's going to help you so much in the long run if you're not, it's if true. you're like staring at this like document and you're like, oh, uh, what, what, what's business? <laughs> Life is a chess game, mm-hmm. you know, and music is no different. And you can't play chess if you don't know the game. Right. And a lot of the game is business and marketing and things like that. You have to have you have to be privy to a little bit at least. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, obviously, you can have people who maybe you can hire or people that you know that might be in that range of yeah. field that can assist you. But you yourself should have a general knowledge of these things for sure. Right. Exactly. I don't think you can succeed without that. Yeah. Because like 
you basically if you're going to become an artist you are making a brand and you have to be in control of what your brand looks like and how it functions and if you can't do that you're not going to succeed Mm-mm. you're pretty much going in blind it's like you you can't fly a plane if you haven't had training mm-hmm. you know what i mean and the music business is just a jungle full of full of just predators and I I'm, I know it sounds boring like oh business I don't want to it talk is about boring it. I hate it I hate yeah. the marketing side of it but it's I, so I hate the social important. media side of it but it's important you have to do it to some degree um, you know it's just it's just the world we live in now it is unfortunately it's it's the the days of you putting out a track and someone some A and R finding it and discovering you mm-hmm. are over well in the days of old. When there was record companies who had control of everything. Yeah. I mean, they still do to a degree, but yeah. that's slowly becoming less and less of a thing. Right. It, it was a benefit to now because they're no longer gatekeeping everything. Like, you can release your own music. Great. But the opposite side is that everyone can also release their music. And mm-hmm. in the struggle to be seen, you have to be smart. You have to market. And you have to market. Yeah. It's, it's, it's 80% marketing, yeah. 20% talent and skill. Yeah. It really is like, like like you said. Like, I mean, Spotify and Apple Music and all those streaming services really opened the doors for everybody. Right. You know, it was a big fuck you to the to the recording companies to a degree. Um, well, not just the streaming services, but the fact that we have our own studios in our homes now. Yeah, I mean, it's so it, that's true too because it's so easy. You don't need studios anymore. Yeah. It really, in reality, you just need audio interface, a, a DAW, yeah, and some recording equipment, and you can you can go at it. You know what I mean? Overall. Right. And it's just anyone can do it now. You're right. So the new meta is to market because how can you get yourself in front of everybody else? It's like right. it's like us, um, the skip the line pass at like you know Six Flags, pretty much <laughs> the fast pass lane. <laughs> yeah, the fast pass lane. Everybody is in line for this ride, this famous ride, and then you have to pay to jump ahead of them. Right. You know what I mean? Or get or get noticed. You know, yeah. by more people than them and things like that. If you just post a song and you just think you think you do social media marketing that that's going to really get you anywhere. Mm-hmm. I mean, it helps. It's not like you should just abandon it entirely. Yeah. But I don't think that's like the foundation of what you should do and only do. Right. I will also say, which is also very important, that there is no plateau. There is no point where like, oh, I can chill now. Like it is a constant uphill battle mm-hmm. of keep going, keep going. I agree. Keep going. And you can't stop. Like they're like, I mean, you could take breaks, I guess, but like... Well, I mean, burnout's a real thing. Oh, so definitely. So I, I encourage people to take breaks. Um, I'm one of those I'm one of those people that I create when I feel creative. Yeah. I, it's hard. I get burnt out. Like, throughout whole school, like, we had so many, like, projects and songs that I had to, like, you know, we had to make, right. mix, sing over, or find singers well, I mean, to record. Well, I mean, our final capstone project, because <laughs> me and you collaborated on that. Yeah. And, at least for mine. Mm-hmm. And, like, I remember, like, because... There were a number of things that went wrong for some days. We couldn't meet or like. Dude, I was very stressed out because I helped you. I helped another person. Yeah. And I was doing my own capstone. I was like, oh, my God. Yeah. And it was just like stress because it would be like days before it had to be shown off. And we're just still recording stuff. And we're like, oh, my God. Dude, it was real. I used my studio time was at six in the morning. That's oh, yeah. They, yeah I they put me, that. And I was driving at that point at the time. Right. And, you know, this was commuting from Bridgeport to Danbury. And, um. I used to get up at 2.30 in the morning and drive to the studio because I knew nobody would be in that bitch at that hour. Yeah. And I would spend literally like 3, 3.30 a.m. till 
because we had three hour time slots. So if it was six to nine, I was spending three thirty a.m. to nine a.m. Yeah, in the studio, and then having to go to normal classes and do all that stuff. I was doing that weekly, yeah. you know, overall. And I just never, I'll never forget, I'll never forget the last time because that was like a day before the capstone was due. Mm. I went there at three a.m. and who do I see? Raf. <laughs> <laughs> so literally, we hogged that studio for like sixteen hours. He would work for like an hour and a half or two. I would work for an hour and a half or two, and we just kept alternating back and forth. And we were literally—I did not leave from three a.m. to like six p.m. that day. Mm. I did not leave that studio. Well, I mean, going back to the last episode uh, when we briefly mentioned my Uzumaki project, yeah. Because I did that project in 5.1 Surround. So the issue was if I wanted to do mixes for it, I had to be in the studio because that was the only setup. That was the only setup for that, yeah. And I remember the last day I had to do some finishing things with it. I had to go in at like, I don't know. Um, or It was like 12 in the morning. Yeah. And then I stayed until 7. The next like seven p.m. Yes, or seven a.m. Seven. It was seven a.m. Seven a.m. Like okay. it was. It was basically pulled an all nighter. Yeah. To this thing. Oh, pulling all nighters was like the <laughs> motto. Yeah, I just remember because it was sucky because I had to drive home and mm-hmm. I was like, so Ugh. tired. I know. <laughs> Seriously, I remember those. Those days were hard. Um, it was definitely worth it. I think you know, in the long run, like I know, like we're saying how hard it is and everything like that, but there are positive, like rewarding moments, like working that hard and then like passing capstone or, or getting like really good remarks on your capstone oh yeah i mean when i showed off the uzumaki project i was really hyped about it It was nice and like people you hear like audible gasp like oh, oh my yeah, god yeah because it was cool it was different like everybody else did um just songs you know mm. what i mean in general and you had a presentation of, about it too i had a funny time with that too because my hard drive corrupted Oh, that's all. <laughs> the biggest struggle with a musician technical problems dude my hard drive corrupted the morning it was due I had four hours to recreate my assignment. It was the it was stressful. <laughs> I remember so that, stressful. yeah. Dude, I took it to Geek Squad at Best Buy, and they said it was reckon it was being recognized as a thirteen terabyte hard drive. That shit doesn't <laughs> even <laughs> that shit doesn't even exist. Oh my goodness, I was so upset. But I, I mean, I got an A in the end anyway, right? So <laughs> it doesn't really matter. <laughs> oh yeah, I mean. Half the battle is technical problems. Oh, dude, troubleshooting. That's the worst, though, because like, especially in a studio, that was one thing we want to talk about with school is that everybody shared oh. the studio. So, like, there was, like, the, you know, the common sense to, like, put everything back on default for yeah. the next person. Right. But you've al- you always had people who would either A, forget, B, not care, or I don't know what el- what other reason they might have. You know what I mean? Might be drunk. Cause, like, or just know. fuck it up. Just yeah, fuck just, up the just, entire system. Exactly. And, um... You only have three hours in the studio per week that's assigned to you. I mean, you can try to find times where there's no assigned times. And if you're in there and you're the first one in there, then yeah, that's I mean, your you time. can haggle people too. Right? Yeah, and you can you can work it out. But, it, I mean, at the base, you had three hours in the studio. Yeah. And when you had to spend two of those hours just troubleshooting. It's so annoying. It just adds to the stress. Like, because we had lessons every week and you had to have something to present for those lessons. And that studio time was like a good time to mix, good time to yeah, record. Exactly. And if you, you're you not doing that, you're spending two hours troubleshooting. I used to see, and even myself, I, like, I, 
at those hours i would be messaging in our facebook group chat for the audio you know oh yeah our audio class and with the teachers and being like like help me or somebody else would be like right. like what is going on here and it's it's cool that we all helped each other yeah you know but at the same time it was just really like you said it was annoying that i remember that. one time we were working on our project and we go to the computer to record and pro tools is like there's not enough memory and I'm like, excuse me. Yes, you sh- you're you're like you're a massive computer. You should be have enough memory. <laughs> Seriously, we check the folder, the the like the hard drive. The internal hard drive has only like what twenty three megabytes left, <laughs> like something stupid like that. And it's like you have these experiences where just people are just stupid. Let's just say well, stupid. <laughs> the, the reason why that would happen, just to give context to yeah. people, is because we had. You know how colleges, I'm sure you people who are age, you know, you know, in our demographic yeah. who, or in college or have been to college recently know that they have like this kind of like this internal cloud for, you know, for, mm-hmm. for uh, assignments and things like that or other like projects or whatever. So we had an internal cloud and a separate like system designed to, to place our our um, our projects on. But what people would do would put the projects on the actual internal hard drive. And it'll take up space. And it would take up so much space because one number one, sometimes projects can have a lot of stuff. Like all the plugins, they take up a lot of memory and they take up a lot of power. Yeah. Especially if you have like a full on mix where it's like a big mix where there's a lot of instruments or a lot of things you have edits yeah. you have to make. It takes up space, you know, when you have like twenty, thirty kids and you know, or students rather, using the same system, right. you know what I mean? Multiple projects, each one. So the fact that they would put on the internal computer was just annoying. Yeah, it's yeah, there was like so many little, little, little problems little things, yeah, that little like things. just irked you the wrong way. You will come in and like some things will be disconnected or whatever nonsense, and that's why like that's how I got so good at troubleshooting things. Seriously, I've I've spent I've literally spent hours. Like I'm sure you have to. Oh yeah. Like uh, spending like either in the practice rooms or in the in the actual studio, just hours upon hours trying to figure out what's wrong and how to fix it. And it's just, it's just, it was you know. scarier in the studio because you what? have this like multi million dollar thing. Seriously. And you're like, I don't want to break it more. I, exactly. <laughs> so, practice rooms, is it was um, not, it was never like too complicated, but the studio, you're right. Like, like you have the giant SSL console, dude, hundreds of thousands, bunch millions of, of dollars, physical, like, of equipment. equipment. It's like, yeah. Oh God! <laughs> and it's like you break it, you buy it. I'm like, I'm, I can't afford it. You know what I mean? I don't want to do more that. More than my tuition. Oh Jesus! Seriously. So it's it was it was a little stressful. You would have to call in some like tech support or something. Yeah, you know. Yeah, that was hot. It was funny. Sheldon. Sheldon. <laughs> the irony was that there was no self service in the studio. <laughs> there was no. There was no self service in the studio. So you I had to like that. walk out into like the hallway nearby and call and be like, help. <laughs> I know. And pray to God that he please. was still awake. Help me, please. <laughs> I know. I don't, I don't know. But I mean, working in the studio was probably one of the best experiences of school. That's also why I would say school was so That worth studio it. was so sexy. Oh, man. It had everything you needed. It was acoustically beautiful. Because, listen, you like people might have home studios. And like, oh, yeah, I know. I have a pretty good studio. No, 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 it's, no, no. You feel so professional. You do feel professional. And you have access to so much equipment. So many plugins, so many, so much different types of software. Microphones. All those. Uh, micro- micro- microphones, uh, analog gear. Oh, Like, man. just everything was just presented to you on a silver platter, and you're like, they're like, just go fuck with it. 
And but don't fuck with it too hard. <laughs> don't fuck with it too hard. Don't fuck with it too hard. Don't break it. Yeah. But um, but it was just like I don't know. It was such an enriching experience. You really felt like the shit when you yeah, were in there. That was. It was. I I liked school. I did, I do. It yeah. was such a, I guess, well-rounded experience of like yeah, experience so many different things. You learn so many things. Um, I will say, because it's important. It's, um, I remember in high school, where someone wanted to do jazz right they were a saxophone player Mm -hmm. and he had a fundamental misunderstanding of how jazz worked in a sense he was like well you know for audition i can just kind of solo and like this is a student you're talking about yeah okay i can just like improv whatever i want and i'm like it's not how it works (laughs) like there's still rules you have to follow and stuff and like if you're gonna go to school to do music like it's a good experience yes and it's like you can make connections great but like you also have to care about what you're doing like we have a number of colleagues and even friends a little bit who went to music school but didn't care about the school part and kind of just fucked around and like then i was like what was the point of coming here then if you did not take this seriously well one thing i want to note um about school in general or about going to music school it's not what you think it is like when i come from bridgeport connecticut hip-hop you know like r&b like soul Mm -hmm. you know any of that stuff pop music all that stuff was ingrained in me at a very early age you know and um I, that a lot of times I feel like the normies or just like the normal people in general have this idea where like they listen to they hear jazz and they're like oh that's elevator music you know what I mean <laughs> yeah. and I I used to think the same thing I think one of the the biggest things that I learned at school was to be open minded not even just in music but just in life in general and different people's perspectives I feel like I was very closed minded and I felt like I was really in my own my own way. Oh, definitely. Me too. I was stuck in the classical nonsense. Yeah. And vice versa for me, it was the opposite. So like for me, classical and jazz music were just like, oh, this sucks so bad. This music sucks, boring, blah, 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 blah. And now I'm like such a 180. <laughs> Every t- anyone, anytime anyone disrespects jazz music, I get on their ass like so hard. I'm like, what the fuck do you mean? You know what you're talking about? Like all this, you know, I'm like totally in it now. Oh yeah. And I think it's just the more you listen to it, the more you learn about it, the more you appreciate it. Yeah. If you're going to go to music school and you're like, I'm going to be a producer, I'm going to have people rap and do all these other things you know that's completely fine but just don't close your mind off to the other things too i think just in general like even like school or just in general of being an artist closing yourself off to other aspects of your field is such a disservice it really is like you should love all genres and not in the sense that you have to listen to all of them but be aware be aware and be appreciative that they exist and they have uh, a community that loves yeah. them and there's a reason for that did, did you ever take the world music class <laughs> yes yes i did <laughs> like i mean the class was kind of bonkers but what i learned from that like the african music and like the the ragas i hate the ragas but like <laughs> it was still like uh, like the japanese scales and yeah. stuff like you get access because what people don't realize is like, oh, I don't want really to listen to it. But like you're basically adding ammo to your arsenal of like what can you use in your own music? Well, what can you do? Yeah. It's like if you if you don't learn these things or you don't appreciate these things, like I can't tell you how many like jazz progressions 
or even just classical progressions that I've learned that I've applied to pop my pop tracks. Right. You know what I mean? And you can, the cool thing is, is like, there's no, there's no such thing as originality anymore, right? No. You know what I mean? So if you stick yourself in this lane, you're only going to know this lane. It's not going to be original because you're just doing what everybody else is doing. Right. But the way to be original these days is to mesh. Like, you take one aspect of classical that you like. You take one aspect of jazz, hip-hop, whatever, right? right? And you're like, how can I combine them? It's one of the reasons why, like, like Kendrick Lamar is one of the only rappers that I know that really, like... Because you know how, like, people in classical and jazz, it could be the other way around, too. Like, mm-hmm. how you were, as you said, like, yeah. you know? Well, they're like, oh, classical and jazz music, I'm an elitist. Yeah, you know oh what I mean? my God, it was like, so bad. All the other genres are just <laughs> compared to me. You know what Peasants. I mean? Peasants. Yeah, <laughs> but when he dropped a pimp the butterfly... Because that was like a jazz hip hop album. Yeah, everyone's like, "Damn!" You know what I mean? They they looked at hip hop in a new light, and that's what made that album so special. Is because he was combining two genres that hadn't really seen each other. You know, Kendrick got me fully into jazz, uh, to like rap stuff. That's what I'm saying. Like, you know what I mean? And you wouldn't have done that if it wasn't probably for the Penta Butterfly or something like that. You know what I yeah. mean? I mean, because I was introduced because we were actually talking during an audio class. Because he won... Was electronic music? Is that what it was when we started talking about Kendrick? I think it was audio engineering. One okay. of them. Oh, one of those... Cl- it was taught by O'Grady too, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's probably why I'm thinking that. And I distinctly remember, like, it was one of them because he won an award that, like... The Pulitzer Prize. Yeah. He was, like, the first rapper ever. It's usually just composers that win Yeah, that. and it was just so funny because everyone was... All the, like, classical, like, 21st century composer all, like, salty mm-hmm. about it. I'm like, good. Because, you know, honestly, you're not really into... You briefly, like, touched this when we did, like, 12-tone music in Fury. Yeah. You briefly touched it. But contemporary, like, 21st century classical music, whatever you want to label it as... Sure. ...is such bullshit. And it's a bunch of, like, assholes just sniffing their farts. Because it's like, let's do this, like, crazy thing. Like, I took a 20th century composition techniques course. Yeah. And it was neat because, like, you could see some cool techniques. Mm -hmm. But, like, near the end, it just got so bad. Like, it would be like, compositions are, here is a book that has some different pieces of fur attached to it, lined up. And the piece is that you you run your hand over it, over the different furs. And then you go back, and then that's the piece. <gasps> what does that mean? What is, what is, it became a set of instructions oh. rather than music. <laughs> yeah, it became a set of instructions instead of music. And I'm like, this is dumb. This is completely dumb. Like, <laughs> yeah. So I'm so happy. Like, you had someone who was an, an outlier, I guess, mm-hmm. in this area that delivered such a good piece of art that wasn't up its own ass. he won for damn by the way not sh- Butterfly, just to let everybody know oh well good they were both good no <laughs> like, of course because we were talking about pimp i just want to let, make it known that he won for his album damn damn yeah yeah um but yeah i mean it was just a giant fuck you that like you know these genres are prevalent too it's the same way yeah. you just have to be open-minded and again you don't have to listen to them you don't have to necessarily quote-unquote like them yeah but you can appreciate them for what they are and, and the fact that they have a place, yeah. you know, in, in this world and in this musical era, you know, in I mean, general. if you're like me, who is also kind of like who does the film music and sure. stuff, it's like you have to be aware 
of these genres and how to do them. Well, they're also used in a lot of these movies. Today. Exactly right. Like look at Black Panther, for example. Oh yeah. You know what I mean? Or or Into the Spider Verse. You know they used just solely secular tracks for that. Like album. I've worked with some film directors, indie ones, of course, but like I worked with some of them and. They'll give you like, here's a reference piece. And it's like, mm-hmm. all right, how do I replicate that? How do I make yeah. a version of that? And if you don't know the ins and outs of that genre, you're going to fuck up. It's not going to sound like a genuine piece. Yeah. You have to just be invested. You have to like, I find a lot of the times you have to take yourself out. A lot of like for me, like I would always say like for art, for example, right? I would say, um, you know, do something that you're passionate in with art. And that's how you can stay consistent. Right. right? Oh, but for, for music. Sometimes it's hard because you really have to take a step back. One, because you don't if you get rejected, you don't want it to destroy you. And two, you also have to like take your personal preference out of it. And it's much easier to do that when you're objective in general. Yeah, like, you know, towards stuff. That's so building off that. Learn to take criticism. That's a fact. And also kill your darlings. Your what? I'm sorry. Kill your darlings. Oh, I know what you mean. Cause uh, like I've worked, again, I worked on a number of films. Sure. And sometimes you present an idea, and sometimes the director doesn't like the idea. They want to do something else. You cannot fight them. Mm-hmm. It's not your project. It's, it's your their project. project. You're, the you're an employee. You're an employee. You. Right. And the biggest mistake, some people I've I found when they enter this for the first time, is they try to argue. They're like, mm-hmm. well, no, 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 you, you do this, you know. And like I've sometimes I've like well maybe consider this well you can advise them because yeah. you know they're not they're not um not they're not always like you know well versed in the sense right. that they yeah. understand what they're really talking about so you could advise them to a way um you just can't really take it too personally yeah because listen at the end of the day you like I said are an employee and you are making a product for someone else and it's up to them what they want. One of my teachers told me to take criticism and praise the same. Ooh. So it's like you're indifferent when you receive criticism and you're indifferent when you receive uh, praise. It's like the ultimate humility. Wow. I think you really just have to be extremely humble because um, then you, you it, just, it just doesn't affect you. You know what I mean? Because when a lot of times and just as, as human nature to, to want and to crave attention and um, and praise and... Just in general, just having someone like, uh, you know, tell you that you're good or yeah. whatever the case may be. And we seek that so hard that when we get the, the opposite, you know, it also destroys it's us such as yeah. hard. You know what I mean? And that's just that's just a path for failure because mm-hmm. you're always going to be flip flopping between, oh, I'm great. Oh, I'm bad. Oh, I'm great. Oh, I'm bad. You have to have the confidence to know that you're good. And no matter what anyone says, it just doesn't phase you. Like if someone says that was amazing, you're going to be like, yeah. Yeah. And if it was, if someone says it, it was bad, you'd be like, okay, you know what I mean. And this only ties back to what, to the beginning of this. Where yeah, it's like this whole field of gamble, mm-hmm. where like you win some, you lose some, and you have to take both in stride. Yeah, I mean, w- what success story in music, in terms of like, if you want, if you're, you know, someone who wants to be a pop artist, for example, you know, because that's a, that's a, a major appeal for a lot of people, right. right? What person have you heard of that has had it easy in the music industry? Either A, they were homeless, living in their cars, yeah. almost about to quit, you know, when they got their break yeah. and things like that. You know what I mean? It's a grueling field that you really, really have to have the mental fortitude for. And we're not talking like pop stars. 
because just in general, just in general in the field, it's yeah. just it's just you have to have the fortitude to succeed and the vision to succeed. Um, if you don't believe in yourself, I mean, no one else is gonna believe in you, especially in this field. Don't believe in yourself. Believe in the me that believes in you. <laughs> exactly. It's just it's just one of those things. Like if you're gonna be like, I'm gonna be a doctor, no one's gonna be like, Oh, don't do that shit. You know what I mean? <laughs> you know what I mean? You're always gonna have people in this industry and in art in general, like the artists, you know fields fashion art you know drawing whatever you know what i mean music and film and you're always gonna have people the naysayers that are saying you're never gonna do this or you're not good at this freaking i saw this interview like a long time ago of drake back when like bet or mtv was like a really big thing (laughs) yeah right and he was before he was the drake that he is today you know he was still like with young money and everything right and um he was talking about how he was part of a rap group in canada and his manager of that group told him that he he got fired, and he was like, "You're never gonna make it in this industry." Yeah. And now Drake, no matter whether you hate him or or love him, he's he's a def- known name. He's literally one of the greatest artists of all time, strictly off the numbers. Is he really? He's been in the game since like 2008, uh, and he's been relevant number one every time he drops a song and goes number one. Huh. And he's literally be in the game for like for like 15 years now who do you know has such a stellar career after that like you have people who are still in the game for that long right right but they're not at that top level like he is the top if you look at the streams from like all these prevalent artists in any field he's always like close to the top yeah i mean i don't follow drake too hard no i don't i don't either i don't really listen to drake that much anymore i used to be more of a fan than i am now Mm -hmm. um i don't particularly always enjoy his music today but i can't argue with the fact that he's one of the greats for right. sure yes definitely you know what i mean and he was told that he was never going to make it in this industry you know what i mean yeah. so uh, people are always going to tell you things and you just have to kind of make it for yourself and you know go that your being own path. said sure it's a two-way street like like you you can believe in yourself and stuff but you also have to put the work in oh 100 percent. i well, mean it's not just belief you have to put the effort in i distinctly remember uh a peer at our school we can call him Slim. Okay. <laughs> Who was a very good pianist, kind of, and was in our audio. Mm-hmm. But he didn't show up for lessons and didn't do the work. So he failed. Or I think he failed. <laughs> I mean, I remember because uh, we had the same. I know you're talking about, and we had the same professor. And I, I remember him telling me that like, the Slim had nothing done for his capstone two weeks before the capstone was supposed to be yeah. presented. Right. So I mean, you're gonna have people like that who um and that is who bullshit who fail. Yeah. Like, listen, we like we like believe in yourself and stuff. That's great, but you also have to put work in and I know it's challenging and it's going to be grueling, but if you don't keep up, you're going to be like all those other people who half-assed it and not make it to where everyone else is. People get comfortable too. Like you get a side job, start making some money. Oh, that's see, we talked, we had a music industry class and the professor told us like, you know, you get the side job, you get the money, and you're like, oh, you're making a stable income, and you get comfortable with it, and then like, oh, you get promoted, oh, cool, and then suddenly you're 40, and then like, oh, there goes your career, yeah. and that's why I'm so terrified 
to get like a regular job. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, I know. Because I'm like, I'm afraid it's gonna get into that trap. Yeah, I mean, like I have a job because at the same time, I I need to make money because yeah. I I have goals and you need equipment and things like that too. You know what I mean? But I always have that in the back of my mind. I think like even just having that in your mind, um, is okay. I think if you, because like. I mean, we don't know anyone's circumstances. Like, you know, for me, like, I, I need a job. Like, I can't just not have a job, right. like, you know, in my situation. Yeah. And, um, you know, whether it's audio or not, you know, sometimes it's music go re- mm-hmm. uh, musically related and sometimes it, it's not. That's the game. Yeah. You know what I mean? And um, I think that's okay. But just don't get too comfortable with that. Always strive for more. Always remember where where your goals are at. Right. You know, and like like you said, like, yes, I have a job and yes, I understand that that I can get sucked into that. Mm. But I also remember what he said. Yeah. You know what I mean? I always keep that in my mind. Yeah. You know what I mean? Don't get comfortable. Don't get comfortable. Don't get comfortable. You know, because then you can you can keep yourself on path, on track. I mean, I'm very lucky in the sense that, like, I'm able to pursue the dream stuff first. Yeah. And it's not like an immediate requirement. It'd be, a, yeah. it'd be great to have an income again. No, but, I know what you mean, especially with the pandemic and everything. Yeah, oh, the pandemic ruined it. I used to yeah. be a prior piano teacher, and then and no one left. COVID. COVID. Um, <laughs> and then, but like, I think it's also, like I said, part of this field is luck. And that luck is also translates mm-hmm. into a support system, mm-hmm. like a family, mm-hmm. who like parents who like, yeah. You want to go into music? Sure. Try it. Because, mm-hmm. like, oh, you know, some so many people. Oh, let me let me tell you something. Sure. So, uh, one of the coworkers that my mom worked with, he was supposed to be, he was a classical violinist violist. Mm-hmm. And he got accepted into Juilliard. Oh, wow. And the mom said no. Really? Become a doctor. And he did? And he did. Bro. And it is so heart crunching because, listen, Juilliard's a hard school. Mm-hmm. That is a, I would never want to go to Juilliard no, because just because me, of stress. Yeah, me either. I don't think I can handle that. Yeah. And to be accepted and not go is so like soul crushing. I mean, that's how I felt about Berkeley, man. It's because yeah. to be accepted and not, and not be able to go. It's not that my, my mom said no. It's just that we couldn't afford it. Right. You know what I mean? That was just circumstances out. I mean, my mom has always been very supportive of me, so I'm mm-hmm. very grateful for that. It's nothing that she, like, I'm not, I'm not just pursuing that full time because of, like, because of something that she said or right, know, right, whatever right. the case may be, you know what I mean? It's just like, you know, other things, like other goals that I have and other things that I need to do. You know, yeah. Overall. But, um. But it ties into the whole luck thing. Cause like, yeah. you're, you're given these curveballs, and it's like, all right. Listen, is music your career or is it your hobby? Is it your hobby, yeah. Or is it your side gig? You know what I mean? Is yeah. it your part-time thing, you know? It's just I mean it's it's just, it's um it's subjective. It depends on the person. You know, yeah. it depends on what they want to do, how how they are, their environment, their behavior, yeah. all that stuff. It all factors in. So it's really a subjective um question. I mean, in my opinion, um if you really believe in it, you know what I mean, and you really mm-hmm. think you can do it, go for it. Um you know what I mean? Follow I'm a big advocate for following your dreams. Yeah, I mean, I am too. So many people do what they should do, but right. not what they want to do. Exactly. And you spend like 70% of your life at your job. Oh yeah, of course. Like I would say if like you only have one life to live, regardless of your theological beliefs, you have one life as you, who you are now. 
and you want to make the most of it. And I believe, like you said, follow your dreams and pursue whatever craft you want to, because you have one chance to do it. And I like, again, you have luck and you have circumstances and successes and failures, but the important thing is whether or not you think it's worth it. I mean, when you're 50 and you're going through your midlife crisis, because we all do. Um, <laughs> Saying we're not, as we're not 50. <laughs> yeah, we're not 50 yet. But like, even me now, like I'm, I'm 25 and I already feel like, oh my God. You I'm know already I mean? a jaded old man. <laughs> yeah, right. Or just like, whoa, life is going fast. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, it's like a quarter life crisis. You know what I mean? Yeah. So uh, it's just one of those things. At the end of the day, no matter what happens, you can look back and be like, at least I tried. Exactly. I feel like that's a better uh, result than being like, what if I did it? Because you don't know. You know what I mean? At least at the end of the day, you'll know. You gave it a shot. You put your all into it. And if it didn't work out, then that wasn't meant to be. And that's okay. And if it did work out, I mean, that's on. You know what I mean? (laughs) So I think think you should pursue it no matter what. You know what I mean? Yeah, I definitely agree with that. And, you know, if people give you shit for it. I mean, people are going to give you shit no matter what. Yeah. I especially, I know, understand it. Because I have family members, not my direct parents, but sure. like I have like aunts and uncles who would be like, well, have fun in your cardboard box. And you're like, that's nice. <laughs> you know, and but like you just got to be like, I'm just spite them. Just brush it. That's, that's the thing, too. <laughs> like, honestly, it's, it's a good motivator. Um, instead of wallowing in your own self-pity. You know what I mean? Because at the, at the end of the day, no matter what, that's really what it is. Right. You know, and like I'm sure we've both experienced it and you can go through it because we're all human. But at the end of the day, in reality, that's what it is. You're wellowing in your own self-pity. Right. Instead of doing that, use that as a drive to show them that you can do it. Mm-hmm. You know I mean like, man, fuck you. I'm going to do it just as, you know, just to show you. Like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. use it as fuel. Like, I don't care what he says. I'm going to do this. And then I can be like, ha, look at me. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. It's similar to like when you hear like, Certain situations, like in the inner cities or something, where like the teachers say you're never gonna make it anywhere, you're not oh, gonna yeah. do anything, and then these people are like, you know, blowing up or having, you know, doing being successful, and it's just one of those things. It was a drive for them, not not something to to put them down on, yeah. you know, and stuff like that. So I think just find your inspirations, and in, in your lowest of places, and you'll be fine. Very well said. Yeah. So do you have any uh, closing thoughts on this? Um. Hmm. I think we covered. I mean, I think we covered a, a good portion of it, you know, overall of our opinions on it. I like. I mean, I think that was a good place just to to close the conversation on it. Yeah. Um. Just. Just follow your dreams. You know, work hard, believe in yourself, and you know, no matter what, life's gonna take you in a certain direction. Yeah. And as long as you adapt to it, and you know, you keep going, and you you know, strive for something great to be successful, yeah. be motivated, driven. You know. Yeah you're going to be okay. Even if it's not in music in the end of the day and you're mm-hmm. successful in something else, you know, money and fame and all these things is not a measure of success. You know, success is subjective, you know? Right. Yeah. So if, as long as you feel content in your life, then, then go for it. Yeah. Be smart about it, but you know, you want to find happiness. And if you think pursuing music or whatever craft you want, is going to lead you to that happiness, you got to try. There's no pain. Um, fuck. <laughs> There's no gain without pain, right? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. All right. All right, my friend. Do you want to close out? Well, before we close out, sure. I need you to do one thing. 
Sure. I need you to log in on Twitter right now. Okay. Oh, yeah. You were telling me about that. Yes, you do. <laughs> okay. And you need to uh, go to my account. I'm going to go to your account right now. It, it is no space. There, there, there. Oh, dark my show music. There we are. All, All right. right. What am I looking for, man? First this retweet. Yep. First pre. Oh, Uzumaki. Uzumaki anime. Got okay. a preview. Oh, okay, okay. And you need to see this. Look how fucking clean this looks. Damn, man. Like, you need to watch her move. Like, this looks like it's coming straight out of the manga, bro. But it's like. It looks rotoscoped. It looks yeah, amazing. It, it freaking looks crazy. Holy shit. This is why I wore this shirt today. I wore my Uzumaki oh, shirt I today. That. Oh, I God. was like, oh my God. We talked about this last time. I'm like, yeah. we haven't heard anything about Uzumaki. Yeah, we were just talking about we haven't heard anything. Yeah, and like. Dude, that oh. looks amazing. And it's all black and white too. It's all black cool. and white. That's going to add to the eeriness yeah. of everything. You can't hear the audio now, but it has like the siren going in the background. When we, when we log off of this, I want to hear it again Yeah, everything. Oh my god, it's absolutely stunning, and I'm so happy it's finally get a good adaptation. I think it's looping now, but like, oh, is it? Yeah, but yeah, it is, it's looping now. But that's crazy. That's awesome. It looks absolutely gorgeous. The movements, like it's because Uzumaki, like Junji Ito, is a famous mangaka for his like grotesque slash like. I don't know, like multi-dimensional imaging uh, images and well, things like, like body that. horror, mostly. Yeah, like body horror, and just very disturbing images. Yeah, and um, we'll try to put a clip of this maybe for the highlight. Oh yeah, if we I can. Will. I will. Their movement is just so like it's almost like there's a a delay in their movement when she's moving. Yeah, but it's like adding like this eeriness to it. You know what I mean? They're really capturing it. You very know, it's well. like when you see. Uh, like, you see animated films when they're running at 60 frames per second instead yeah, of 24. Yeah, it almost looks fake because it's, it's moving in such right. a fashion. Yeah, Like, there's an uneasiness yeah. to it. And, but this is, like, works in its favor because it's very, like... Because that's the yeah. point of it in general. Yeah. Yeah. This is. I feel like this is going to remind me of kind of like a Midsommar. Yeah. Movie. Oh, my God. You know, not, yeah. Not in, not in concept, but, like, in in, in presence. And, yeah. And you know what I mean? In general, in style and stuff like yeah. that. I think that's it's going to give me one of those vibes. Because that was one, one of the most disturbing films like I've ever seen in my life. Have you seen Hereditary? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I mean that's that's that was his first movie that like, yeah, yeah, really yeah. got popular, and then he did Midsummer. I think Midsummer's better. Oh, okay. You don't think so? I don't know. I'm up in the air on both. I feel like Hereditary was good, but it didn't like extremely disturb me. Mm. I was I was like, <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> what a yeah. lot of it. Yeah. But um, Midsummer, I thought like just like the opening scene of Midsummer was just like setting the, the yeah, tone. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. In general, if anyone hasn't seen that and they like horror films. Midsummer, it's a M I D S O M M A R. Yeah, it's yeah. It's, it's been out for a it's, while. It's it's really good. It's on Amazon Prime, I think, for free if you have Amazon Prime, I believe. So yeah, I, I, check it out. Yeah, I am super excited for Uzumaki though. I am too. Like, I, I'm interested to see what they do with it in, in the end. Because after because we discussed last time, the Junji Ito collection was Garbo. Yeah, and like it was just a poor adaptation. Yeah, this looks phenomenal. Control is doing this. No. Toonami is doing this, you said? I believe it was on Toonami, but I don't know what's happening now. But but Toonami just is like, it's for the English versions, right? So like, what studio is actually doing this? Does it say? Is it the Twitter uh, account? Is that who it is? Katsuka? 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 
Is that a studio? Uh, let me look it up. <laughs> No, I don't. I don't think so. No, okay. So wait, it, I'm just gonna look up. Is a Makiana? Yeah. Who is behind this? So it says it's by Drive and co-produced by Production IG. IG. Ooh. Okay. And, and all Adult Swim's. So it is. It is a tsunami thing. Interesting. Wow. Wow, they're really stepping it up, huh? Doing originals now. Well, it's not a, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Like, uh, that's crazy though. That is crazy. Oh my God. Like, yo, I was watching this video, not to get sidetracked, but since we're talking about kind yeah. of like anime and shit, I was watching this video by some dude on YouTube. Um, he was talking about how manga has been outselling, um, American comics. Oh yeah, of course. But like a lot though. It's not like, it's like he said the top 26, uh, selling, uh, graphic novels were all anime. Oh, yeah. In the United States. Definitely. And just, like, how prevalent it's becoming. Like, it, it's had, like, a resurgence in the States. I feel like when uh, when Toonami first ended, that was, like, the death of anime and yeah. manga in the States. Like, that was popular, you know what I mean? Yeah. And ever since, like, of the last past few, like, years. Well, because been... of Crunchyroll and Funimation. Mm-hmm. Like, have been keeping have it alive. Access yeah. to all this stuff. And it's like, ooh. Well, Crunchyroll and Funimation were keeping it alive for a while. You know what I mean? That's where you can get your content and everything. Right. I don't know. I think it's just a series and like, you know, like Tokyo Ghoul got popular in the States. Attack on Titan. Attack on Titan got popular in the States. My Hero Academia is, is freaking going crazy in the States. Jojo. <laughs> no, no, no Jojo. And no, it's too late. It's already infected like the locust plague that is. <laughs> I can say that as a Jojo fan. <laughs> I know, but it's, it's one of those things. It's, it's cool to see. It's really cool to yeah. see. It says, it, some, it says something about what people are craving now. And that maybe Marvel and DC aren't doing what, you know, whatever, you know. Well, I they're, mean, they're going a little too SJ, uh, SJW, I think. Yeah. Like, the, with the tokenization and all that stuff. I mean, I don't want to get too deep into that today. But, yeah, um, yeah I, I think uh Well, I mean, I think it's just you having, you're having better, more unique stories coming from anime. Well, that's the thing. It's like they just keep – what like, I saw this thing where they did, like, they, um, Marvel did this thing where – they always do teaser trailers for the new comic series right. where they talk with the writers and whatever. And they were saying how, uh, one of the editors was like, these are all new characters, right, that we're introducing, right? And when you looked at them, it was literally just reskins of characters we already know. Yeah. There was like um, a female Cyclops and, I don't know, um, a black gambit yeah. and things like that. And I'm like it's just it's not original it's not original it's just you're just putting these characters in reskins you know that, what i mean yeah that reminds me of disney where it's like our first lgbtq character and then it like recycles again <laughs> the thing is like i don't have any problem with characters like that existing yeah like because that's our world right of course yeah but the fact that that's the only thing that 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 they identify as like the reason why I was watching a video and he was explaining like how like um, like people like Batman and Superman, right? Because they were created in a time where, you know, they're white characters, like Batman's yeah. white and rich, right? Right. So how do you make them interesting? You have to actually write a good story. Right. Nowadays, they just focus on like, oh, like this character. What is... token are we going <laughs> to? Exactly. Yeah. This character is gender fluid. And like, that's like, we're just trying to be like, it's okay to have those characters. That's not a problem. Yeah. But make them interesting outside of that. Like, you, yeah. you never talk about, Batman never talks about how 
he's how he's white or how he's rich or yeah. whatever. You know what I mean? Being gay is not a character trait. It that's, is. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. Like, that's not what that's what I'm saying. Like, if they if he was if the character was just gay, yeah. but they were like sick and they had all these cool storylines. Yeah, great. That's awesome. Yeah, that's like good. Like, cause yeah. like being something else or like me being straight doesn't identify me. Yeah, you know what I mean. It's, it's just one of those. It's who you are. Yeah, it's just what story, what stories are they gonna make and things like that. And anime doesn't give a shit about that stuff. You know, they draw people how they're gonna draw people. You know, they make those people for better how they're or gonna, for worse. For better or for worse, they don't care. They don't care. But that's why it's popular because that's why they have these good stories because it's all original characters. It's not just rehashes of like old characters and new yeah. forms and things like. I don't know. I think just also well at least for Uzumaki like just also taking risk animation wise yeah and just being original you know in general like it's it's just like if you think that these other like marvel and dc or these other companies are doing this genuinely then <laughs> i don't know what to tell you yeah. it's all a ploy you yeah. know what i mean they they do those things specifically just to to gravitate towards that audience you know in general i but mean if anime not... had an equivalent it would be uh fan uh, fan service yeah <laughs> but fan but at the same time people a lot of people don't like fan service and they just don't care yeah but that's always been a part of it though right i don't think like I don't, I don't know i don't really like fan service i'm not a big fan of that kind of stuff that's why i don't watch fairy tale anymore or whatever <laughs> uh, yeah. fairy tale sucks fairy but, sorry <laughs> you know for anyone who likes fairy tale sorry but it does it sucks yeah. um like well one punch man all those things like last episode i was like apologizing yeah. like you know i'm sorry i don't want to get in trouble you know if you like it good for you but yeah unfortunately i think the fairy tale fandom still has fairy tale is <laughs> It's not good. <laughs> oh it's no! Not good I, I was gonna say the fandom's still lingering about like the roaches they are. <laughs> well, because oh my god. <laughs> well, because I mean the 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 I forgot his name now. The creator of that series. No but, idea. Um, I wouldn't be able to tell you. Um, but he has other series too. Like uh, oh my god, it's called uh, Eden Zero. I think he's doing right now. So people linger. I don't know if you liked fairy tale. I mean, good for you, I guess. I mean, I I liked it for a while too, but it just got too much. The story. Yeah, you know, like high school gets better eventually. Hmm? High school gets better eventually. You know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's just like every if every arc ends that they won because of friendship. I don't know. I don't know. It's just it's just a, it's just an ass pool. I don't know where they get these random power ups that they didn't train for just because they they're my friends. I gotta save them. That's it. So watch Uzumaki when it eventually comes out. Yeah, right. I'm sorry. We got sidetracked. Because uh, <laughs> there is no friendship here. No. Just uh, spirals. Just spirals. Spirals I was spirals. You know what was sad? Um, mm. I follow this clothing brand called Yeeti. Okay. And they have this thing where they have like daily shirts. Sure. And they're only available for that one day. And okay. then they're gone. Oh, you've told me about this before. Yeah. And one of them literally yesterday was Tomi. The other Junji Ito one of the girl who's like keeps dying but keeps on multiplying sort of mm-hmm. thing. And I was like, oh, fuck, this design's rad. Turns out the design was stolen. And then they had to take it down. I was like, oh, no. I was like, uh, it looks so cool. <laughs> oh, man, I hate that stuff, dude. I will tell you, though, Crunchyroll has a Junji Ito collection in their clothing brand. Before yeah. I got this shirt. It's fucking lit. Dude, that's another thing that I've seen is that like Zoomies has like a Dragon Ball line. Fye, Hot Topic, Spencer. Gucci had JoJo's for a little bit. Yeah, like all these things are incorporating anime because they understand that that's the new wave. Yeah, you know that that's it's it's good material just because it's JoJo overseas. end up in the Louvre for a reason. <laughs> oh my god, <laughs> dude, I don't know. I'm happy to see it. 
you know, at, yeah, the, it's at great. the end of the day. It's lovely. And I'm happy to see it, you know. And I'm ha- like, it's just interesting. It's so funny to me because, like, when I was in high school and, like, in grammar school, whatever, and I liked anime and I was, you know, a nerd and a weirdo. Yeah, yeah. And now the people, the same people who were calling me weird or, you know, a nerd now like anime too. And I'm yeah. just like, bruh. Well, it's like, well, superheroes, everything is kind of, all the nerd yeah, stuff has been popular. Yeah, all the nerd stuff is popularized now. Yeah. For better or for worse. For better or for worse. Just like musicians have become the new craze of career choices. You think so? Well, it's like independent artists. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's a thing because that's more accessible now. But Yeah, well, it's like now anime and nerd stuff is more accessible. It's, it's all it's all connected. It's all connected. <laughs> we all planned this. You didn't you just didn't know. Big brain. <laughs> Big brain 2000 IQ. Yeah. No, man. All right. Jinx. Fuck. <laughs> All right. Well, again, thank you so much for listening to the Imposter Syndrome Podcast. Yeah. Episode two. Woo! Episode two. Let's go. We're going to keep the hype train going. We really appreciate all the support. Thank you guys so much. Yep. And please have a wonderful day. Take care. Yep. I'm Jake. I'm Mike. Peace. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.